Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, and welcome back from the holidays and Happy New Year. I am your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting from the WBCA NABC studios, thanks to D3Hoops.com. You have a plan when you start these things. You have a plan when you put them together. Those plans tend to fall apart, as we have now seen a few times this year. Plenty to talk about post-holidays on top of um, things going on now. Let's get through the particulars. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're once again streaming live as well. You can also join us on Instagram. We're going to use it tonight to promote what we're doing, but we don't tend to follow along there. You can do that at hoopsville at d3hoops.com. There's a ton to talk about. I had plans to talk about the D3Hoops.com Classic, Ramapo, Salisbury, Harden-Simmons, Eau Claire on the men's side. Of course, Puget Sound, Lewis and Clark on the women's side. I had planned to talk about the guests that we have coming up today that are already scheduled. All of that will be covered today, except we've got to get to the big news. Shocking developments at the start or this afternoon. We have been waiting for the investigation into potential illegal practices by Stevens Point to come out. I had talked to those at the institution throughout the preseason, or offseason, I should say, into the preseason. Their indications were that they thought things would be wrapped up come October. October came and went. Nothing. We saw Stevens Point at the Hoopsville Classic. Didn't really get to talk about it. Came and went. Nothing. Of course, the longer things go, the more likely you're thinking, hmm, Maybe this investigation isn't as minor as the school thinks. The school is saying we have minor infractions, et cetera, et cetera. I then get a couple birds in my ear in the last few weeks saying, hey, listen, I think the NCAA has maybe made a phone call or there's been a conference call or I have somebody else say, hey, listen, the NCAA has made a decision or they're, they're maybe investigating further. There's a lot of confusion as to what's going on until today. We still haven't heard from the NCA, but Stevens Point has spoken, and they have spoken loudly. Bob Semley has been suspended for the rest of the season. That is 13 games. This is coming off of a loss last night to lacrosse. His assistant, two-year assistant, Kent Dernbach, is taking over as head coach. They take on a tough um, squad this coming. I'm sorry, they lost to Oshkosh last night. They take on lacrosse on Saturday. They have removed themselves from the WIAC WIAC postseason tournament, which, along with that, removes them from the NCAA tournament. Granted, the team is 6-5. and five. I think the expectations of them making the NCAA tournament were pretty slim. Granted, you win the, uh, the WIAC tournament, you get in. Well, that's off the table now for, this, for the uh, pointers. Not sure how the conference will adjust to that. Not relevant right now. All of this being done based on this fact, the NCAA has still not come out with their investigation, but clearly the school has talked to the NCAA, or at least those who are running the investigation. And remember, those running the investigation are fellow Division Three schools. There are four allegations that have now become apparently major violations. I will read them somewhat verbatim. Bear with me. It is on D3Hoops.com. It is alleged that during the 2011-12 through 2015-16 seasons, 
It's five seasons. The men's basketball coaching staff impermissibly directed, observed, and engaged men's basketball student-athletes in athletically-related activities outside the institution's declared playing seasons. That's number one. Number two, it's alleged in the spring semesters between 02 and 15, the men's basketball coaching staff impermissibly uh, observed approximately 16 men's basketball prospective student-athletes as they participated in the men's basketball student-athletes in activities detailed in allegation number one. That means prospective students were taking part in practices. That's a major no-no in Division Three. The last two conventions have had... Um, uh, rules to change some of that, to allow practices, to allow observation, to allow um, chances to evaluate student-athletes to, to cut down on recruiting, essentially. They have been overwhelmingly shut down and voted no. According to this, 16 times it happened. It's alleged that during the 0-11-12 through 12-15-16, or 2015-16 seasons, Bob Semling did not demonstrate that he promoted an atmosphere of compliance with the men's basketball program due to his personal involvement in the alleged violations. Lack of institutional control is coming up, too, because it's alleged between 11-12 academic year and the fall of 2015, the scope and nature of the violations detailed in allegations 1 and 2 demonstrate that the institution violated the principle of rules compliance when it failed to adequately monitor the men's basketball program's compliance with NCAA playing and practice seasons and, tr and tryout legislation. That's some heavy wording if you understand how the NCAA works. Those are major violations. And the school has decided no WIAC this year, no NCAA tournament this year. They've decided Bob Semling is to sit for 13 games the rest of the season. But what does this all truly, truly mean? It's a tremendously good question. And we had to get to the answer, but it's hard for us to do it. So we went and decided to talk to one person who's been covering it already. I talked to him earlier. Here's that segment. Now joined by the person I first saw report this today, it's Dale Ryman, sports director for News Channel 7 WSAW uh, in the uh, area. Uh, first, Dale, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it on short, on short notice here. No problem. Thanks. So, listen, we've been following this, as I've said, for, for quite a few months. We knew the NCAA was investigating. We knew this was um, basically... Let me try that again. Sorry about that for the folks. We had a little bit of a technical glitch. A lot of things going on today, so we're trying to get to all the bottom of them. Uh, bear with me here. We'll try this again, starting over. Really apologize. Um, here we go with, with Ryman. Now joined by the person I first saw report this today. It's Dale Ryman, sports director for News Channel 7 WSAW uh, in the uh, area. Uh, first, Dale, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it on short, on short notice here. No problem. Thanks. So, listen, we've been following this, as I've said, for, for quite a few months. We knew the NCAA was investigating. We knew this was um, basically practices related, at least we were in, under the impression, practices related to a couple seasons ago. Uh, Stevens Point had come out initially saying it's minor infractions. We've, we've imposed a couple practice pullbacks here. You know, we're sorry about this. It's a miscommunication. We'll figure it out once the NCAA gets back to us, and, I, and we expect that to be done by the end of September. Obviously, we are in January, and things have changed dramatically. When did you find out things had gone sideways, as it were? Um, first indication was at 11.11 this morning. <laughs> uh, I just, by happenstance, just checked my email on my phone, and at 11.11 was an email from the UWSP Athletic Department and said that there is a press conference at 
for media only, uh, and that was it. No indication of what it was about. I live 25 minutes from the station. My station is 35 minutes away from UW Stevens Point. So you can imagine the time frame going through my head. I'm like, okay, this is not enough warning for anything. Yeah. So I made a couple of phone calls, and uh, I, I called the the SID and uh, tried to get some kind of type of indication. Because obviously the first thought is, yeah, it has to do with those quote-unquote minor infractions that we – did the obligatory story about and didn't think anything beyond it because nothing else was made a big deal. Uh, and he said that um, can't really tell you anything. So I said, okay. And I feel like I can say this now because it's he didn't he didn't accept my off the record invitation. I said, well, Tim, off off the record, can you tell me is is Bob about to lose his job? I said because I'm trying to gather a crew so I can get down there. And he says, I cannot tell you what the press conference will be about. But I would strongly suggest that you would want to be here. Hmm. Yeah. So at that point, at that point, you just have a feeling like, okay, this is a hammer's about to drop somewhere. Yeah. And we we made a rush to get down there, and um, when we got there, outside the press conference room, you saw some of the executives, some of the some of the higher ups at UWSP, kind of hanging around, and then you still didn't kind of know what was going on. There was a couple of ta- couple of water bottles set at the table um and then you saw kent dernbach walking around he's bob's top assistant coach mm-hmm. but you didn't see any bob Simling. so i looked at my photographer and i said bob's gone you know i, yeah. I thought for sure he's gone he's not he's nowhere to be found but yet here's his assistant coach yeah when obviously we'll get to some of these details i you know obviously the red alerts are going off for you on something that even i had been told off the record, and I had been told in private conversations was a minor infraction. Granted, the delay in hearing from the NCA uh, piqued my interest a, l- a little bit. Did they indicate when the NCA told them um, that they had found something else, and when the NCA would announce their findings officially? Well, the the word that was used today was it's very fluid, <laughs> and it's still ongoing. Okay, <laughs> their words. Um, yeah, I think they were just. I mean, Bob coached last night. Yeah, he did. Lost, unfortunately. They lost. They lost last night to UW Oshkosh, and apparently this morning, he comes in and he had no idea that this was coming. Huh. Um, so, the I, I assume that the NCAA just told them today, this morning, and then they had to do something right away. That was one of the first questions that I, I asked. I said, um, if you knew this was coming, why do you let him coach? Yeah. Why do you take the risk on vacating whatever wins you have and whatnot? And they say, well, we didn't know it was going to be this severe. It's, um, and that, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you're speaking of the severity. The One of the things I noticed, at least in the, in the press release that Stevens Point sent out, was that you know, we were talking about infractions that took place over one preseason or one offseason, I should say. Um, that, we're talking five years. But that's the thing is it's come out, this is out, it's happened over five years. Are, are, do you sense that this is a salvo to try and save, whether it be a national championship, whether it be vacating wins, whether it be anything else that the NCAA may slam on them? They don't know. Hmm. That was that was asked by Scott Williams from the Stevens Point Journal. He asked them. I, I was asking about this season. Scott went a little deeper and said, is there any, any fear that uh, over the last four or five years, any WIAC championships or their national title from – 2015 and uh, you know gets vacated and whatnot and and they said 
We don't think so. Wow. So the NCAA is certainly not giving them much, and they're trying to do whatever they can to maybe appease the NCAA, which I have found in my past doesn't do much. The NCAA usually makes up their mind about a decision, uh, and they go with it, maybe self-imposed before this has all gotten going. And the first self-imposed violations clearly did not appease the NCAA, thus the second round of self-imposed violations. Did you get, obviously, 13 games, uh, you indicated, as much as I've, Follow Division Three basketball for 20-some-odd years. I can't tell you if this is the most games a coach has been suspended for technically, um, and, and there's varying reasons. But did you get a sense that this was a hurried decision? It, it certainly feels from what you're describing that Kent was blindsided, Bob was blindsided, the administration made a decision this morning. That was the indication was that this was a, this was a decision reached this morning. Now, I, I can't believe this is a very – I mean, you're talking about one of – the premier Division Three basketball programs in the country. Absolutely. We're talking Dodgers, Yankees, nationwide. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine they were this blindsided without having some sort of a plan in place. Now, maybe they were, and if that's the case, then kudos for them for acting quickly and, and, and stuff. But um, I, I don't know how they – I, 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 like I said, they, if they were just informed today that these are four major violations, then, you know, I, I guess we all got played. <laughs> I will say this. The NCAA tends to be close vested when it's in their investigations. I do have a feeling, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, maybe Stevens Point had their head in their sand. Maybe they thought, hey, we're going to let this blow over. It's no big deal. Um, yeah. And then didn't really have a pulse on this investigation? Maybe. I mean, maybe they thought we're UW Stevens Point. Yeah, yeah. That's that's possible. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I asked athletic director Brad Duckworth, I asked him point blank, I said, you said suspended, not fired. And he said, no, he has been suspended. We have full intent that he will be our coach next year. Hmm. I, I, hmm. I, in my opinion, I don't know how that's possible. Well, two thoughts. Talking- <laughs> Brad Duckworth's brand new to the job. I feel bad for him. In right, some sense right. of the word. And second of all, it's a state institution. They kind of have to go through certain protocols, do they not? Right. I, I, I suppose. I mean, I, mean I, I wouldn't know what those were until I looked it up. But, I mean, if, if you're talking, if this were a Division One program, the coach doesn't come back, does he? Uh, that's I mean, a... it, it, would hurt, it would hurt recruiting. And the, the main thing, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest eyebrow rages was lack of institutional control. Are you kidding me? At Division Three? Well, to be honest, we've so, seen that Thomas Moore got nailed with it and lost its national championship uh, yeah, just over you know I, I just before that, the season yeah. started. So they love that lack of institutional control. One, and you might remember it from USC football. Yeah, um, they yeah. love that terminology. Yeah. Um, so, so as of right now, Ken Dernbach takes over. Um, if Bob doesn't come back, maybe this is an audition for Kent. Yeah. You know, he's never been a head coach before. No. But here's the other thing, to, to raise a red flag, if they're conducting some of these practices and they're against the rules, who's there helping coach the practices? Kent Dernbach. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very so good how point. So if, if that's the case, obviously you want to have the continuity of the program because he's been there with Bob for the last two, three, four years. But if he's part of those violations in the end, even though he wasn't the guy who did it, he was part of it, does he even come back next year yeah. if Bob returns? If Bob doesn't return, I should say. So there's so many there's so many moving parts right now that 
we don't know the answers to today. And, sure. and you know, come come March, you know, if the NCAA announces any final rulings come March, you know, 60, 70 days from now, maybe then we'll have an idea. But, I mean, there's so many moving parts of this. It's, it's, it's crazy. It really is. And, and, you know, when – when the when the pointers boosters get get word of this, what's going to be their reaction? I mean, the boosters put a lot of money into that program. When when what, yeah, what will be their reaction? You know? Yeah, that's it. well. I'm already seeing reactions on Twitter from the the players who are out, uh, former players who are irate. Um, yeah, and, and... I, I did talk to Jack Bennett today. Did you? Um, okay, I did. I, I called Jack, and you know, Jack is the one who brought Bob into the program. And well, and Jack had uh, his issues said, too, didn't he? Yeah, I, I believe so. But, you know, talking with Jack today, he said that uh, he he feels bad for the players and he feels bad for the program. Because if, cause if, if this lingers or if it, if it is a major hit, who knows what type of in, um, the severity that this will affect the program in the years to come. But he did want me to stress that he thinks that it's a program built rich in the tradition and they will survive this, he thinks. What a, now, when they'll survive it, I don't know, but he thinks that the program will survive. What was the mood? Uh, I know when the Thomas More press conference took place, and we and I happened to watch that one. Uh, the president, who's a former, I think a former AD and former coach, so everything's jumbled in my head right now, was rather peeved. Uh, he, he was he was frustrated at it. Granted, it was a much different situation. I'm not trying to draw lines. What I'm basically saying is there was a certain mood to that press conference. What was the mood at this press conference? Um, well, you know, Brad gets up there and he makes the sta- opening statement right away and he opens it up for questions and it was, it was pretty quiet. I, I think maybe some people didn't know how to react. Now, granted, there were only myself, um, a representative from the ABC station in town and the Stevens Point paper. And it, it was almost like they were kind of slow to react. So I just jumped in and started asking questions. You know how you kind of feel like you don't want to doubt, feel like you're dominating a press conference. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but but I, I feel like I, you, know, you get the ball rolling and and uh, to to their credit, you know, to Brad's the answers were you felt were pretty honest in, in, in response to the questions I asked, only because they haven't been through this yeah. process before. They've yeah. never they've they're, they're not conditioned to handle. A major violation press conference like this. True. You know, if if I asked the same questions to Barry Alvarez at, at, <laughs> at Wisconsin, yeah, he, he's going to have he's going to have a standard protocol answer. Yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was any question you asked that you didn't get the answer you were hoping for? <sighs> yeah, that's no, a wide I open mean, question. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, but yeah. I mean, I, I think the the major the major things are is. You know, they said he will be the coach. He they intend for him to be the coach going into next season, but that'll obviously be reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked about I asked the, the AD who who told the players, and Brad and Kent Dernbach, the assistant, had the meeting with the players mm. this morning to inform the team and said that they were all shocked and hurt. So um, they while we were still there, Kent was in his office, and there were a couple players shuttling in and out behind closed doors. So, um, you know, he was obviously still meeting with players and stuff. So, you know, as, as far as any questions unanswered, I, I mean, I, every question I asked I thought was, was answered 
fair enough. Um, you mentioned a uh, fluid situation, and then you made a comment about the NCAA report maybe coming out in March. And I know, realize you, you may not be saying that as an actual timeline. Did you get a sense of a timeline? I did not. Okay. So it could no, come out tomorrow, just, uh, for all we know. It what? It could come out tomorrow, for all we know. It could, but um, from what I was told from some some people, uh, it, it you know, it, it'll be a couple of months, and maybe that was the thinking that Bob had was that he had the season. Interesting, because I also think that he and the rest of them thought it would be wrapped up by October. And then they thought they had the season. This is if it, clear. If it was minor, yeah, if yeah. it was minor, you would thought. Yeah, this has definitely gotten big. Uh, obviously, beyond the fact that they've announced that there were four major violations found by the NCAA, we don't even know what the NCAA said. Well, I, I yeah, gotta... and, the, and, the, and the postseason ban is for this year. Why right. tournament they can't participate in? Right. Obviously, they can't participate in the NCAA tournament. But you're talking about a team right now that's only six and five on the season. Right. So it's kind I don't of know a, if that kind of a whole home. That softens the blow. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw. Don't know if that the blow or not, but um, I don't think a lot of people had Stevens Point in the postseason this year, anyway. Right. Um, that's, granted, that's, they could make insane. a they so. could make a run in the WIAC tournament and and get in on an AQ, but you know that yeah. you know with River Falls and 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 Lacrosse playing well, even Eau Claire playing very well. River Falls obviously beat them last night. Whitewater playing well. I mean, the the, the chances were slim. Yeah, and Lacrosse they they visit Lacrosse Saturday, and Lacrosse beat Whitewater last night. Yeah. So Ken Dernbach's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, he certainly does, especially with a season that's essentially lost in the eyes of many of the players. Uh, any other uh, any other thoughts on what you saw today or or this news revelation before we let you go? Uh, no, no, not really. Um, I just, in my personal opinion, no, no other uh, influence at all. I just don't know how Bob comes back from this. Mm. Um, you know, based on the reaction from the the booster club and stuff, and and you might they may just have to wipe the slate clean. You know, you have a new athletic director that can get in there and and bring in his own guy. Yeah, who has a basketball experience, obviously coming from Alverna. Too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting point. Thirteen games is a lot to begin with, but it may be the end of Bob Semling there as well. I assume you've reached out to Bob and, and have not heard back. Uh, no, that yeah. would be a negative. For uh, <laughs> Oh for two if you count me in that mix too. So yeah. I totally get it. Uh Dale Ryman, I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you are busy, so I'll let you go. Thanks so much. And uh I'll I'll stay in touch with you. If you learn anything else, let us know. Thanks, Dave. All right, Dale Ryman again, uh sports director, news channel seven, WSAW. So there you go. That's from the reporter on scene at the press conference, got his take. Notice he said it a few times. He thinks Bob Semling's in more trouble than just a suspension here. He thinks Bob Semling's not coming back. Raises a good point about the assistant coach, too. Who's running these practices if they're illegal? There's been talk that Bob was there. Um, you got to figure maybe Kent was there. Uh, And other assistants. Kent's only only been there a handful of years. He wasn't there the entire five years. Um, I'll be very, very, very interested to see how this plays out. And let's remember one thing, and, and I alluded to it in that interview. Stevens Point had a problem with practices, if I remember, under Jack Bennett. I don't remember the exact details of that. I haven't had time to go back and check that. But I believe they had practice violations under Bennett as as well. Speaking of Jack Bennett, I got in touch with him as well. He didn't want to say a lot, um, but he did have something to say. He wanted to at least have a statement. And here's what Jack Bennett told me earlier today. 
Jack Bennett now joining me here on the Hoopsville Hotline. And, and Coach, you wanted to make a statement. Well, Dave, I, I feel very bad for the program here at Stevens Point, for Bob, for his staff, and especially the players. But I will tell you, this program is steeped in rich, deep tradition, and it will learn, it will survive, and it will come back stronger. That's the challenge, and I know that this program will meet that challenge. Appreciate Jack taking the time to 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 at least call and chat with me. Uh, wasn't comfortable coming on and saying much more. Certainly can understand that. If you're curious, we did reach out to Bob Semling. Did not hear back. No surprise. We also did reach out to the Stevens Point um, uh, administration to find out if anybody else would be willing to come on, including Kent, the assist- now interim head coach. Uh, they declined at this time. We will continue to pursue that. We could, as early as tomorrow, Friday, hear from somebody at Stevens Point, and if so, we will try and get that to you as quickly as we can. In the meantime, remember one key thing here. We have still not heard from the NCAA, and it's not like you can call them up and find out. They keep the investigation side of things at the NCAA very much separate from everything else on purpose. So it is hard to gather intel sometimes unless you've got the right person to call. They post who uh, is part of the investigative team, or I should say part of the committee, not the investigative team, the committee. We have not reached out to them basically out of respect, don't want to interfere, but we may have to as well. These are significant steps for Stevens Point, considering we don't know what what the NCAA has truly found outside of what Stevens Point has told us along the way. Remember some reporting earlier this year got us going down this road, but we were told this was minor. I was told this was minor. Granted, I'm hearing it from a purple-tinted point of view, but we were told this was minor. Not that we want to stop talking about this topic, but we had booked the rest of the show, not with Stevens Point in mind. Well, outside of mentioning they lost last night, not that that's shocking, they're 6-5. and However, we are efforting to do one more bit of this at the end of the show, and we will do that, and we will keep you informed on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. We may, may, knock on wood, hear from a former player. We'll ask him if these allegations have any merit. If he remembers any of these violations taking place, he may not know they were violations, but we'll see what his take is on. But we're not positive right now. We at least want to tell you we are working on that. In the meantime, we have four other guests booked tonight. We will start with Baldwin Wallace, women's basketball. Sherry Harrow join us to talk about the team. Despite their loss last night, the first of the season, they're off to a tremendous start on top of the OAC. Could be a great battle on the women's side. We'll talk to her momentarily. Then we'll go talk to Scott Hemmer. Sadly, for the second time in just about a year's time, he and I are talking about a tragedy with the team. Why this death is different, but why the team's also responding differently, but they're also having also a great, great season. They're playing right now. Scott does double duty. Well, we talked to him earlier. He's coming up on the show. We'll also talk on the men's side. The Hood men's basketball coach Chad Dickman taking over for his father. They're having a magical season this year. Is it too early? Have they peaked too early? They come off a loss to Lycoming. Maybe they are as good as we thought. Actually, I don't think they lost to Lycoming. I think they lost to Albright. We'll double-check it nonetheless. A lot going on today. And finally, we'll talk to the number two team in the country. Surprise number two. Whitman is having a great season, including a win over Whitworth. But can they officially dethrone Whitworth? We'll talk to Coach Eric Bridgeland coming up on Hoopsville. And again, we have a new segment called The Mailbag coming up. we got a couple questions from you. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Don't forget, if you are 
watching us or want to listen to us when we're not on the air live, don't forget to download our podcast. You can find our podcast uh, on the same link as our show right below the video player. You can download it from SoundCloud or download it on iTunes. Make sure you catch podcast. And as a result, ask us questions. We'll answer them on each show on the Hoopsville Mailbag. That's coming up on the show. Plus, we may we will circle back on the Stevens Point story, including possibly talking to a player. That's all ahead here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete, and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ. I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Hello, everybody. I'm we're back. Uh, welcome back. Uh, sorry, trying to do Twitter at the same time. It's just too difficult. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can, of course, uh, send us emails, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. If you have any questions to add to the mailbag, we've gotten a few so far, and we'll get to those later in the show. Uh, again, we will talk more about the Stevens Point story coming up, the second major story in Division Three basketball this season, and major meaning not championship, off the floor type stuff. We will talk about that later in the show, uh, as we have already. Again, don't, if you missed any of the show, don't worry. You can go back and listen to it when we're done, and you can always download the podcast. So if you haven't been paying attention to the Great Lakes on the women's side, it's rather interesting. Obviously, Thomas Moore resides in the Great Lakes, and former champion DePaul lives there as well. Hope Calvin, we all know those two teams. But the OAC has got one heck of a battle brewing, and it includes a team that is... Um, I wouldn't say reemerged. They've always been around. But Ball and Wallace has a darn good season on their hands. And despite the loss last night to Mount Union, they're going to make the OAC one heck of a fun one to watch the rest of the way. So joining us on the City of Salem hotline is Coach Sherry Hare from Baldwin Wallace. Coach, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Um, first and foremost, I know it's tough to come off the loss last night, but at the same time, you've got to be thrilled with the fact that you guys started off 11-0 and on the season. 
Um, and the only blemish so far is the one we're looking at right now. Absolutely, yeah. It's a, it's a good group of kids. What this is a team that's twice in a row been twenty two and seven. Uh, you you certainly have been in the mix quite a bit. But what has made the start of this season different, maybe than than the rest? I think for the most part, our our kids have really bought in again. Um, we've had some changes, and it's a really good group that they're really hungry to win. They put in a lot of time in the off season to improve their games, and. Uh, it's just it's just a fun group. They're great students too. They had a, almost a three sixteen GPA, so it's it's really a super group. Uh, that's an astounding GPA uh, <laughs> for an entire group. Obviously, it's tough to do both athletics and and but and and uh, academics, and that's what makes Division three so great. But you know, to have that kind of GPA by also having an eleven and zero season up until last night, and all these other marks, they're making a lot of sacrifices. What has maybe been the biggest thing that you've seen from this squad, maybe off the court, that has made it uh, maybe even more special or um, allowed the season to develop as it is? I think a, a big part of it is we, we've had a lot of freshmen and sophomores put extra time in the gym. And, you know, it's great when you're walking by and and it's November 1st and you know, it's the dog days of the preseason and kids are in getting extra shots up. It makes you really excited for uh, not only the season, but for the future. Obviously the loss to Mount Union was tough last night, but let's be honest, Mount Union's also not too bad a team. They're eight and four overall three and two in the conference. Now you guys find yourself a game back of Ohio Northern Muskegon is in the conversation. You can't forget about Wilmington. Who's also there. So mm-hmm. AC is kind of shaping up to be a pretty, a pretty good race of a bit of a dog up there. Oh, no doubt. It, we've got a lot of great players and great coaches. Our ninth place team last year didn't make our conference tournament with six and one non-league. Like it's a ridiculously yeah. good league, top to bottom. And uh, you know, you don't bring your A game on a night, you're going to get beat. Yeah, I was going to say, which begs the question: Did you guys bring your A game, or did Mount Union bring a better game? Um, a little bit of each. We we didn't play to our potential. Missed a lot of layups and uh, just did some really dumb things and. Had a 32% three-point shooter, 28 threes on the year, went eight for 10 from three with a hand in her face. So, um, you know, stuff happens in the conference. Well, I was going to say that, you know, when when they're shooting that well being aggressive and they're going to shoot that well percentage-wise, sometimes you just hand it to them and and say thank you and we'll we'll go back and look at the drawing board again. Granted, that was a home game, and you'll see them again before the end of the season, second to last game. But how do you see this conference shaping up? As you pointed out, uh, the last place team last year uh, was, I mean, you should say the last place team in the mix, et cetera, et cetera. Is this deep? Is this going to be top heavy? Is the middle going to play a factor? How do you see it actually shaking out? Can you stay on top? Well, Ohio Northern's defending the last two years, so they're obviously the team to beat. But, uh, you know, Wilmington is right there. Hopefully we're right there in the mix. And and the thing is, is all our – every team, our ninth and tenth place teams on any given night could knock off the top team. And that's how deep this league is. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be a dogfight, and I'm sure we'll see more surprises as we go through the year. When you look at this team specifically – um, it's certainly a young team, but it also has its seniors. But, I mean, you look at it, and it's dominated by uh, juniors and sophomores when you look at the roster. You've got height. You've got six-footers in here, 5'11". You also have the, the, a solid core of guard play. Is this a, 
a well-balanced squad? Is this maybe inside dominant, outside dominant? How would you portray your team? Um, probably more outside dominant. We we like our mix. We have three really good seniors that uh, are really important to what we're doing this year. We also have four freshmen that uh, that are contributing in a lot of ways and then everything in between. So we're excited about the future, but we, we'd really like to send these seniors out with a great year. Well, Mackenzie Columbo, one of those seniors leading the way at 12.2 points a game and two rebounds a game. Uh, three and a half assists a game and a steal and a half a game. Sydney Clark, a senior, ten and a half points a game, three and a half rebounds. Hannah Feck, the sophomore, ten point two and five point four, or I'm sorry, six point seven, on the rebounding numbers. And I chipped Clark; she's actually at four point eight on the rebounding number. And then that other senior, Clara Lemon, as you mentioned, seven and a half points a game and seven and a half rebounds a game. That's a lot of of equal um, um, distribution of points and rebounds. And two of them are guards; two of them are forwards. Yeah, and that's that's our goal. We we we've always, even when we've been uh, elite eight teams and and ranked, um, ideally we we have three, four, five kids in double figures because uh, we don't like to rely on one kid having to carry the load. We we'd like people not to know who to sh- try to shut down so that, that hopefully we can keep scoring regardless. Um, last year didn't make the NCAA tournament, lost to Mount Union in the end, which was a re- last night was basically the rematch of that championship game. Of course, back uh, two years ago, you guys lost to Calvin. I believe it was the first round of the NCAA tournament. How much Mm -hmm. is the team driving on, hey, we want to be there too. We want to get back to what we did um, and and get back to the NCAA tournament again and make a bigger bigger difference. The seniors really want it. As freshmen, the seniors actually played in the um, Sweet 16 game. We lost to FDU Florham the year they won it. Yeah. And uh, so they still have that taste, and, and they would love uh, nothing more than to, to get back to that level. So you've got this three seniors. At the same time, we talked about that youth. In, in essence, this is also building towards the future, as pretty much every team does every year. But you do definitely have that core group of younger players. How important, as much as maybe getting the NCAA tournament and, and doing well again, how important, though, is it also to get this younger group the experience they need so that the following year is just as successful as now and the following year after that? Oh, it's, it's critical. Uh, those, those freshmen are really competitive kids, as are sophomores. And, uh, you know, to get them some uh, fruits of their labor and get them a taste of what it's like to, to play at that level would be uh, really important for our program. But regardless of what happens, I know those kids are going to work really hard because that's who they are. If I have this correctly, you have 530. 36 wins overall. Uh, does it get old? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't even know what the number was. Uh, I do know we're awfully close to uh, getting 200 losses. So. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to bring <laughs> that up, but you're at 198. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, it'd be nice not to hit that number this sure. year, but in yeah. our conference, that's going to be tough to uh, to not do. But it, it does. I mean, the, the kids change every year, and uh, – yeah, this year is a particularly great group to to work with. They're very coachable. They, you know, they respond well to film sessions, and um, you know that that's what keeps you going. The, the positive kids, the, the kids that are just terrific young people to work with, and in what they're doing when they graduate. All the, I mean, they, we've got some ultra successful graduates out there, and and that's what keeps you going. You've got Wilmington on the road coming up on Saturday. You're then back home against Ohio Northern, then on the road against Otterbein, and then you have a nice four-game stretch where you'll play at home against John Carroll, Muskegon, 
Heidelberg and Marietta. What's the message to a team when they're coming off their first loss of the season, which I know is probably a tough one to take? How do you recenter them and focus them on Wilmington and this stretch ahead? Well, we really have been talking all year about this is get better every day and uh, use ourselves as the measuring stick, regardless of who's up next. And that's the approach we're taking. Uh, we didn't get better on uh, Wednesday. We, we took a step back in, in some things, and but we took a step forward in some other things. So it's really continuing to try to put complete game together and, and uh, get as close as, to that as we can every single time we step on the court, regardless of who we're going up against. You're also the women's athletic director, correct, at Baldwin-Wallace? Uh, actually, just the SWA. Oh, just point. the SWA. Obviously, yep. that means yep. you've got other responsibilities and overseeing the entire department's tough. How do you how do you balance everything? How do you uh, almost keep your eye on the job, obviously, as basketball coach, but at the same time balance the responsibilities that you also have to the entire department? You have to have great assistant coaches, <laughs> and I'm really blessed right now that um, I've got a couple assistants that, that really make my job a whole lot easier because I can rely and trust on them. Uh, in a lot of ways, and, and that allows me to, to be able to take care of some other things that I need to take care of as well. Got to ask, obviously, Thomas Moore with their title stripped uh, from two seasons ago at the beginning of the year. Now we're talking about Stevens Point, who's handed down its own rather uh, aggressive um, uh, penalties. We still haven't heard from the NCAA as an administrator. You can probably, you're probably keeping a tab on all of that. Your reactions to what is in Division Three world a rather interesting and um, maybe disappointing year in that realm? Yeah, I mean it's always disappointing, and the, the thing everybody works so hard, and you're always trying to get that edge, and um, it's frustrating because you know some people out there maybe aren't doing things above board, but you got to, and and uh, I, I think D three is probably the most uneven playing field of all of all levels, but that's what, that's our, that's our world. And that's what we have to live with. And it's about helping young kids get better. And, and, you know, if we keep our focus on that, then everything else is going to take care of itself, hopefully without uh, any of those other negatives coming along. And that's my way of transitioning into Thomas Moore's obviously in your region. They're fired up from what has happened. They're having a pretty darn good season, but you also have to Paul. And you have Mount Union in your conference in Ohio Northern. You also have Hope, and you have Calvin. Great Lakes is a bit of a challenging uh, yeah. region. Carnegie the, Mellon. Carnegie Mellon, good point. Yeah, Carnegie yeah. Mellon standing out as well. Yep. It's a tough region to stand out from. How do, you make you, how do you make sure you guys stand out as much from the crowd as possible, and especially when it comes to regional rankings? You know, that's something we really can't control. All we can control is going out, playing hard every day, doing the best we can every day, and hopefully we get the wins that count to, to help us get there. But um, we, we can't control what other teams are doing. We can't control any of that. We'll just do what we can do to be the best we can be, and uh, hopefully it all works out well for us in the end. Certainly can understand. Coach, appreciate you taking the time to talk about us. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing uh, how your team does the rest of the way. It looks like it's going to be a fun season for the Yellow Jackets. Hopefully you can enjoy it. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously coming up with Wilmington. As always, I would give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Now, I just want to thank you, Dave, for all you do for Division Three basketball. It's wonderful to have you on board and, uh, and helping us out. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Like I said, good luck the rest of the way. Hopefully we're talking about the Yellow Jackets come March. Thanks, Dave. All right, take care. Thanks, you too.
Sherry Harrod joining us once again on the City of Salem hotline. She's the head coach of the Baldwin-Wallace Yellow Jackets women's basketball team. Again, off to 11-1 start. Their one loss coming last night to Mount Union. That's Wednesday night for those who may be listening on the podcast, 72-62. They've got Wilmington coming up on Saturday before returning home against Ohio Northern, back on the road against Otterbein, back at home against John Carroll, and that John Carroll game starts four straight at home. You know they'll want to take advantage of that. Going to take another break. When we come back, we talk about unfortunately another tragedy at Geneseo but why this one's different how the team's responding and plenty more because the team was already on our list to come on the show they were 9-0 and they're 9-0 and we wanted to talk to the to, to the Knights anyway but how are they overcoming yet another emotional journey as it were Scott Hammer joins us here on Hoops on. Don't forget, coming up, we'll still talk men's basketball with Hood men's basketball coach Chad Dickman. Also talk Whitman men's basketball with their head coach, Eric Bridgeland. And we'll return to the topic of Stevens Point. Working on how we'll finish the show, but we'll have our final thoughts on that as well. You listen to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. That he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Our first show back from the holiday break, as we've mentioned. We hope you're enjoying it. If you've got questions for us, especially for our upcoming mailbag segment, new segment to the show, make sure you either, well, email us for the mailbag, uh, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. If you've got questions for us via Twitter, you can do it via at d3hoopsville or use the hashtag hoopsville. You can also uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Obviously, we're live streaming through there as well, though it's harder to monitor that, but we'll do our best, especially as a one-man band. Uh, we're also on Instagram, though we don't monitor that during the show, at D3Hoopsville there as well, and so on and so forth. Lots to cover. Obviously, we covered a bunch at the beginning. We have the mailbag segment coming up, uh, et cetera. 
Now time to uh, get into the tough news from the holiday. Uh, many of you may know the Geneseo's story, especially on the women's basketball side. It has been a tough year, to say the least. Losing two members of the team in two different ways um, can affect the team in many different ways. Last year, they rallied, won 15 games at least, if not more, got to the NCAA tournament, make a dent in the NCAA tournament. Certainly was a pretty great job after Kelsey Annis' uh, death. But unfortunately, the same team is dealing with the same thing for different reasons yet again. And so, as always, we are impressed that Scott Hammer agrees to come on our show. He did almost a year ago after uh, Kelsey's death, and he's agreeing to come on the show again today. And I appreciate it, Scott, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem. Scott, thank you so much. Dave, thanks for uh, thanks for having us. It's always always great to be on the show, and obviously wish it was different circumstances as well. But uh, love what you guys do for the for the game. Well, thank you. Uh, I told you previously uh, a few weeks ago, and even before this interview, and. I should say to the audience, we were planning to get you guys on the show at some time real soon because you're off to a tremendous start. I wanted to talk about just basketball, but unfortunately, the news right before Christmas was a little tough to take. I know it's tough for the team, the death of Savannah Williams, a freshman in a car crash right as you guys were releasing for the holiday break. Not exactly what you guys want to deal with yet again, is it? No, no. Um, you know, it's uh, it, there's there's so many emotions, um, and you know the, the the fact that it's the the second loss within a year, you know, doesn't make it any easier. And then throw on top that it occurred just before the holidays, you know, that that only magnifies it. Um, but um, you know, it, as I've as I said to the kids um, a number of times, uh, especially when we first got back on the campus together, um, you know, that uh, the unfortunate part is, of life is that sometimes, uh, maybe too often, we, we need to learn how to play the hand that's dealt to us, uh, good and or bad. And uh, at this point, it's our turn to throw. And uh, we've got a choice to make. And, uh, uh, you know, they've, uh, they've, they've made good choices in the past. And I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll do it again moving forward. Obviously, this would be an interesting story to begin with lose a player right as the holidays starting as you're going on break. But of course it's compounded to the fact that you lost a senior last year in a very different manner. But the fact that this was right as the team had been let go essentially for some time off and the team kind of scatters into the wind, that makes it just a little bit more difficult for you guys to handle. I would assume. Um, I, I, I think logistically there, 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 there were challenges for sure um, when Kelsey Nice was was killed last uh, January seventeenth. Uh, um, you know, at that point, everybody was on campus, and and it was getting everybody together and and trying to find the words. And you're standing in front of the room, and and they're looking for answers. And although I didn't have any, I I had to say something. Um, but at, at least you you had a sense for the room. Um, you could see reactions, and you could deal accordingly. And and this year, it was, I I mean, when I found out, I was actually um, I was actually at home. 
Um, I had uh, gone home, I had dinner with the family, and I was just getting ready to head out the door to go recruiting. And um, at that point, you learn the news, and it's uh, how how do you get the, the message out to your players? How do you do it effectively? Um, how are you? How, how do you get the read of, of the emotion? And so, so here I am sitting down, trying to make a call one at a time, and make sure that you know. I think the first thing I wanted to do is make sure that they were either home or I didn't want to talk to somebody I mean our kids a lot of our players had left that afternoon from final exams <clears throat> excuse me and we're heading home and I wanted to make sure they were driving sitting on the phone with me having mm. this conversation and and of course you know they they know I mean I I'm, I'm close with my players but but they they're they know if I'm picking up the phone to, to call them directly um, there, there's something significant going on and um, you know, so close to when they left, and I, I just was trying to be very careful of that. And then, of course, you know, there's, a, again, a wide range of emotion, whether it's the returners who have been through this before and all the way to the, the, the first-year freshmen who are now experiencing that type of tragedy potentially for the first time in their life. Um, it, it was very difficult, and it was challenging. And then the, then the follow-up is how do you continue to communicate effectively with your team moving forward, whether it's as, uh, you know, making arrangements to get the team to calling hours and, and a funeral and, and how the team wants to be there to support Savannah's family. And, you know, do we come back for basketball? Do we not come back for basketball? Um, I've been doing this 20-some years at this point, and I've never had to do a conference call uh, to try to communicate with my team, and, and that was certainly something new for us. But, uh, you know, those are some of the challenges that we faced when, when this all happened. Obviously, last year, sudden death of a, of a student in her own home, it's shocking not only to the team. It was a second student who was killed as well, and it was shocking to the community. It was shocking to the town as well. This is not... You know, something the town was kind of ready for, as it were. Now, this time around, it's an unfortunate car crash. Um, it's different emotions involved, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, you talk about the community. The community's been great. Tonight is our first uh, our first home game uh, since, since the accident, the most recent accident. Um, and the community has been very supportive, the the, the surrounding community, the college community, um, you know, people, obviously the students are gone, um, so the, the crowds over intercession tend to be a little thinner, but uh, I think the community has made a point to make sure that that doesn't happen for, for, the, for the players tonight, and um, everybody has been, uh, everybody's been really, really great about that. But, um, you know, the school is, has been supportive of making sure that, um, you know, everything's ready to go tonight. And uh, it, it has been a different range of emotions. And, you know, last time when this happened, obviously the, the situation is, is a little different. You've got a murder versus a, just a tragic car accident. And, um, you know, last time my players had a, a strong sense of just anger um, and when we got back on the floor that drove them 
Um, right now, it's 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 just still the shock and the sadness. And you know, unfortunately, I'm I'm not sure what buttons to push with this group um, to get them focused on basketball. And I'm for that matter, I'm still trying to figure out if that's the right thing for us to do. Um, but um, we're we're trying trying to deal with it. But yeah, it's it's certainly a, a different range of emotions. I should have pointed out at the beginning, we obviously are talking to you on a pre-tape as you're playing as this is airing live. Uh, we'll get a scoring update in just a little bit. they got a game against Elmira in non-conference play. Um, before we move on to talk about the team and the season in a general sense, and this team seems, this program has seemed to be through the ringer. You had the Leah Sabrowski story, near death, gets a liver transplant, amazing recovery, tremendous story. Then, unfortunately, the Kelsey story last year and now the Savannah story. Is there a point, even in your mind or the team, that enough's enough? We've been through this ringer. This is this is a little bit too much to handle. Uh, sure. I, I, I think at first, um, this time when everything happened, I, I think, uh, obviously, we we all wanted to make sure that our thoughts, first and foremost, were with with Savannah's family. Um, you know, they were they were so excited. Savannah was a walk on for us, um, and we've only had about three walk ons in the ten years I've been here. And Kelsey was one, and and now Savannah was another. And again, twenty years, I'm not sure I've ever seen a player or a family as excited to have uh, their daughter be a part of our team. And so I, they they were very close with the program in a short amount of time. And I, I I think everybody wanted to focus on on them and trying to do what we could to support them first and foremost. But um, you you can't help but have some of that feelings. And and although I understand it, it comes across as a little shallow. Um, you, you can't help but have some of those feelings. Um, you know, with with Leah, um, you know, Leah's diagnosed in the middle. Of, this was what three, four years ago now. Um, Leah's diagnosed in the middle of the season with uh, a, a rare liver disease and and is on on the verge of of dying if she can't get a transplant and. Um, you know, we went through that in the middle of the season, playing you know basketball six days a week between practice and games, and the and the players spending Sundays in the hospital visiting with her, and that was a grind for them um, to keep keep themselves afloat. And then obviously with with last year and and just the the devastation of what transpired, and and you know they they wanted to persevere for her and and wanted to to you know be strong to to honor her if she was a captain and. She was all about the team, and they wanted to do that for her. And um, but by the end, you know, I, I've told people when we lost to Stevens in the second round last year, we actually played pretty well. Stevens mm-hmm. just played a little bit better, and um, we had called a timeout. It was still a pretty tight game with about a minute and a half to go, and I had called a timeout. And I just looked at my team in the timeout, and I said to my assistants after they left the huddle that they're at peace with it you know that the it was a it was they were exhausted physically and mentally and it was okay you know that they they had laid it on the line and they just lost to a team that was better that day and and they were going to be okay with it and um you know they make it through that and they regroup this year and they're off to a great start and you know then then savannah's loss and you know again it, because it 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 happened different it doesn't change the the way these kids handle it, it it's still you know a loss of somebody close to them and um 
you know, there, there's certainly that sense with, within those kids that, you know, just can't believe they're, they're being asked to do this again. And, um, you know, right now we're, we're really struggling to, uh, to, to find, um, find a purpose. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's been a challenge every day since we've got back. Uh, they've done a great job of being here every day and, and trying to get through it. Um, but it, but it's been, uh, it's been a challenge for them. Um, and you know, again, we had the first game the other night and, uh, we, we were able to get out of Buffalo with a win, but, um, I could see all day that there was, um, that they just lacked a little bit of the focus and, and who can blame them. And so, you know, we're going to try again tonight and, uh, that's, that's all we can do at this point. Before we move on, talk about the team in the season. Tell us a little bit about Savannah. You mentioned one of maybe three walk-ons in your tenure, um, and obviously the family was happy. But tell us a little bit about her. Why was she successful as a walk-on, and what was she providing to this team? Well, you know, Savannah was uh, she was kind. She was a genuine person um, who just had such a positive outlook on life. Um, and and life every day. Um, she loved her teammates. Loved being a part of the program. As I said, she was so excited to uh, to make the team. And just it, it's almost as if her pride in being selected for this team was contagious to the other people around her. Um, and even though she was a freshman and it was a short time uh, on the team, um, certainly didn't uh, didn't minimize her impact. Um, you know she. She came in, we, we potentially had a roster spot available, and, and she came in to meet with me. She had contacted me uh, late spring, wanted to try out for the team. Um, we talked about what our needs were. We were really kind of kind of hoping that we could find a, a forward uh, to, to slot into that extra spot, and she was a guard, and she was a tall guard at five foot nine. But she had played on the perimeter most of her career, and I said to her, "Listen, your your best bet is is to learn very quickly how to how to put yourself in a position to be able to play with your back to the basket a little bit." And and she went out and did that. Um, she came in, and the the one thing about Savannah, and, and I tried to push this team as a whole going into the season one that was that they were going to have to step out of their comfort zone a little bit you know with with this team they've they've lost 3,000 point scores over the last two years to graduation and we've had a lot of success but how do you then replace that when you you don't have anybody close to that type of offensive production returning so we had talked about people stepping out of their comfort zone from from day one and you know here's here's a freshman who who hasn't even made the team yet who is still part of of tryouts and she's stepping up in drills communicating um, which you know for freshmen in general is is usually a process and here she is and you could see that she was uncomfortable doing it but she was also determined to put her best foot forward and not have regrets to make this team and 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 she did that and that's part of why part of why we selected her and and again that that pride became contagious for every everybody around her um, you know she uh, she was a kid that smiled every day um, good and bad she found ways to smile and that smile whether it was in the gym um, or in my office after telling her individually that we were going to keep her on the roster um, that smile could light up a room 
She uh, played in six games, averaged um, a few minutes a game, averaged a handful of points, or got a handful of points, I should say. Uh, this team is 9-0 and going into tonight's game, which obviously is taking place as this is airing against Elmira. You got your win back after the holiday after a long, almost month-long break against Madai, 59-40. You have four seniors on this squad, and they're the leaders. Uh, Katie Duran, 11 points a game, 4.3 rebounds. Bridget Ryan, 10.6 points a game. Seven rebounds a game. Uh, Kara Holpert, I hope I said her name right, 8.6 and 4.2. And uh, Katie Vinano, 6.6 and 2.2. Uh, I should mention a Hobart 3.2 uh, assists a game as well. Four seniors who are clearly leading the way. I get a sense they want this season to be special. Well, Kavanaugh is also a senior, so we do have five. And, um, oh, yeah, there you go, five they... out of the six. Yeah, and they've been um, they've been tremendous leaders um, from the beginning, and and certainly through all of this. Um, and you know, again, none of them are, are returning all conference players, but mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're trying to step outside their comfort zone a little bit, and um, you know, get us uh, get us moving in the right direction. They've been here for for four years now, and and all of them have played, um, you know, pretty significant. Key roles um, in in our success over their time since they've been here. Um, they've been in the conference tournament each year. They've been here in the championship game. Um, they've been to the NCAA tournament twice. Um, so so they've had success. And you know, I think the one thing about the kids in our program is the more you tell them that they probably shouldn't be able to do something, um, the more resilient they become. And and again, they're well aware that. You know, we McGinnis, who was a first-team All-American, graduates, and then you lose McKenna and Cohen, both thousand-point scores the next year. McKenna being an All-American, uh, honorable mention. Um, you lose that, and people start to question whether or not you're going to be able to maintain the same success you've had over the last what six, seven years. Now they've gotten to 20-plus wins. Um, you know, I think they they took that personally and and have have pushed forward and and have gotten us off to a good start on the court. Uh, Kavanaugh, as you mentioned, uh, one of the top five of the six top scores, averaging five points a game. Kelsey uh, Poblowski, the sophomore, 5.7 points a game. What, outside of the tragedies, what has made this program so good, so special to have the seasons you have rattled off in the last few years? Obviously, 20 and 7 back in 2013, 25 and 5 in 2015. Uh, 2016, 21, and 8, obviously off to a 9-0 and start as we speak. What has worked for the Knights? Uh, we get some pretty good players. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 I, I've come to the realization that, that good kids attract good kids, and um, that has helped us attract um, some, some special players and, and some special human beings, and they, uh, they, they are willing to be a part of something bigger than themselves, and, and we, we preach that not just in, you know, in practice and what we talk about, but in how we play, and um, we try to keep the basketball part simple. Uh, if you wanted to scout us, you could pull up a film from five to ten years ago and and learn almost as much from watching that as you could from us today um, we try to keep the game simple uh, we defend and we rebound and we place an emphasis on that I, I'm smart enough to understand that that 
players aren't going to remember everything you teach them every day, but they will remember what you emphasize. And for us, it's defense and rebounding. Um, you know, I believe we're currently at about a plus 10 rebound margin on the season, and we're holding opponents to, I believe, 44, 43 points per game. And, and if you can do those two things consistently, um, I'm, I'm not – very strong at math, but I'm, I'm smart enough to understand that if you can control those two things, um, you're going to give yourself a chance to win a lot of games versus uh, coming up on the short end. You have two non-conference games tonight against Almira, upcoming against Rochester Tech. Rochester Tech is off to an 8-2 and two start, though lost their last two games. The rest is conference play, and obviously Suniac is an important um, part of the schedule, to say the least. You're on top, tied with Fredonia right now. Cortland is lurking along with New Paul, Oniana, and Brockport. What's the message to the team, outside of the tragedies, but what's the message to the team to get through the rest of the bulk of this season and best position yourself for March? Well, I think the message is, is twofold. I think, one, don't, don't change who we are. Um, defense and rebounding, and those are two things you can control every night. Um, you're not always going to get all the bounces and the breaks with the ball in the basket, but you can control your how hard you work both physically and mentally on the defensive end and, and how committed you are to, to controlling the board. So we don't, we don't want to change that. Um, but the second part is, is I also don't want to pretend that what we've gone through doesn't matter or doesn't exist, um, I think that would be a mistake for us. So, I, you know, for one, I, I, I saw uh, one of the interviews that was done on one of the, the Binghamton news channels, and, and one of Savannah's close friends, um, her name was Mariah Conklin, I believe, um, on the interview said something along the lines of, that she felt sorry that everybody was sad because she knew that Savannah wouldn't want that at all. And, um, you know, I'm trying to use that with, with my kids. Um, you know, we talked about how much Savannah loved the opportunity to play. And we talked about that smile that, that she had every day. And so, so we're trying to use that to not pretend this didn't happen to us, but to uh, respect it and try to honor it with how we play. And, you know, if we can do, do some of that moving forward, again, you know, all, all I ask these, these players, our team, to do is to, to put us in a position at the end of, uh, at the end of each season to compete for a conference championship. And I feel if we can focus on those, those couple of things, then, then we can do that on the floor. What do you expect of this conference? You finished with New Paul's tied last year at the conference regular season. What do you expect from the conference this year? Well, either, I think everybody in our conference lost a lot last year mm -hmm. to graduation. I, I think there, there's uh, significant roster overhauls, at least when you're looking at uh, a lot of the starting lineups. But, you know, you have a team like Fredonia that has a lot back, and, and they're off to a, a tremendous start. Um, and and we, we've got them coming up twice next week, which is absolutely insane scheduling. But, you uh, mm -hmm. It, it is what it is, and um, you know you've got a team like Oswego who who struggled last year, but but had a, a couple of significant injuries and illnesses that um, they lost or were missing players that are all back now. So you know they're they're still just getting themselves started again, uh, back on track as they put these pieces together and are, are according to what I've seen, getting more competitive. Uh, you've got Cortland that's always Cortland. They're always good. You've got New Paltz, whose style is going to, to put pressure on teams every game. You've 
Scott Oniana, whose defense is always going to limit scoring, and and you know Buff State is uh, Buff State's turning turning their roster over. Uh, Plattsburgh's turning their roster over. Potsdam has a new coach. You know, there's there's a lot of different pieces moving along here as as people go through these roster changes. So it's it's kind of hard to tell, but. Um, you know, we're not looking forward to playing Fredonia twice next week. I can tell you that much. I was going to say, Fredonia twice in five days. That'll be interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. We've got Brockport first, and, you know, there's a team that yep. has, a, has a lot of talented freshmen, and I know they've come up short a lot this year, but they've got some talented freshmen, and when that light bulb goes on, um, they can be pretty good. I, I just hope it's not Saturday. <laughs> yeah, you hope it's uh, not when you're playing them, maybe against everybody <laughs> else. They could wait till uh, after February third when we play them the second time. That would be great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Make the run and then fizzle out at the end for you, just yeah, so you don't I'd... see them in the playoffs too. Be, be great. Be great. Hey Scott, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, especially now that we've had to talk twice about tragedy. I am really <laughs> looking forward to having you on the show when we don't have to do that. Um, again, the team off to a great start playing tonight. We look forward to seeing how you do against Almira. Uh, my best to the team and the community as always and you probably knew that already but i'll say it publicly and uh good luck the rest of the way going to be cheering you on as always and as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in uh well you know i i certainly appreciative for you taking the time to recognize us you've been uh, you've been a great friend of our program and and we really admire um what you do uh, for the for our sport, especially at the Division Three level, um, I do want to take an opportunity to send a, a thank you out, as I did last year around this time, um, for all of the support we've had through through the the, the tough circumstances. Um, uh, again, the 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 amount of support we've received is is overwhelming at times. Whether it's from opposing coaches, uh, administrators at at other colleges, uh, basketball officials, we've we've even gotten cards from parents of players at other schools, schools that aren't even on our schedule. Um, you know, it, it it's really nice to know that. Uh, there's a lot of good left out there in this world where people can come together to support each other following a tragedy. So I'm very appreciative for that and wanted to say thank you. And and last, uh, you know, if there are any players that are out there listening to the show tonight, um, the one thing that we we all learned from Sav um, was to embrace opportunity and, and to make the most out of it. And uh, so I think on behalf of my team, I'd certainly like to encourage all of the, the players listening to, to make the most out of their opportunity and, and, and embrace their time, especially with their teammates, that, uh, that this, this, this thing called life goes quickly. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, the end is, is quicker than, than we can anticipate. And, uh, again, i just like to make sure everybody uh, tries to take a step back and make sure they're embracing uh, the opportunity that they, they have in front of them to, to play college basketball and to develop relationships with their, their teammates and coaches. Well said. I appreciate the time. Uh, Happy New Year. Good luck. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Scott Hammer joining us from uh, Geneseo. Again, the team is 9-0. They're playing Almira tonight. We'll get a scoring update later in the show. They then get into conference play once again. They're 4-0 in conference action with a home game against Brockport coming up on Saturday. Then on the road, and this is where it gets weird, at Fredonia, then at Buffalo State, then home against Fredonia all next week. <laughs> Real quirk.
In the meantime, hats off to the community uh, for dealing with yet another death. It certainly is not easy to deal with one, let alone two for the program in a year. Savannah Williams will certainly be remembered as much as her former teammate prior to her and the rest. Uh, Our hearts are out to the Geneseo community, and we're rooting on everybody who is a knight. Let's hear listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. And welcome back to Hoops. Hello, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I want to thank all of our guests so far who've been on the show. Thank you for taking the time. I uh, wanted to give you a scoring update. We mentioned that Geneseo, we just talked to Scott Hemmer, mentioned that he uh, was uh, still obviously doing the game. Um, they were playing, I should say, while we were interviewing him. Obviously, it was pre-taped. Uh, we want to mention Geneseo's not having much trouble right now. Uh, it is 8.33 left to go in the fourth quarter, and they lead Elmira 63-36. So, uh, Geneseo, despite the challenges, will be 10-0, most likely, by the end of the night. Don't forget, coming up, we have a couple of things still to go. We have our new mailbag segment, which we'll be bringing to you shortly. Um, we're going to sneak it in now, but we're running a little bit behind. That's what we're going to keep going with our segment, but we'll get into the end of the show. Also, 
We will be talking to a Steven, former Stevens Point student-athlete, men's basketball player. Alex Richard's agreed to come on the show. We will talk to him, ask him some questions about what he saw going on. Uh, we'll discuss more about that. But now we're going to switch into men's basketball after talking to a couple of women's teams. Um, if you haven't been paying attention to the Mid-Atlantic, um, well, I can understand that. Steve, obviously, Salisbury's had some headlines. Christopher Newport's had some headlines. Everybody else is kind of flying a little bit under the radar. Swarthmore's gotten some attention. But otherwise, not much to talk about on a national scale. Inside the Mid-Atlantic region, it's a little bit busy. And one of the conferences that's always fun to watch is the Mac Commonwealth. We've had the likes of Stevenson and Alvernia, Lycoming even recently, and Messiah, who've all been at the top recently. Well, one team that snuck its way to the top to start this season is Hood under second-year head coach Chad Dickman. What's going on with the Blazers? One person who told me a couple weeks ago is defense. It's all about defense. Is that true? Well, the easiest way to find out is to go to the head coach of the team and talk to him. Chad Dickman joins us on the Skype City of Salem hotline. Uh, coach, can you hear me? And are you good? I can. Good, David. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you coming on, especially via Skype. So, is it defense? As of right now, yes. It's, <laughs> it's definitely defense. Um, you know, we, our, our zone has uh, has been pretty strong this this year and last year. Um, Offensively, we're, we're 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 trying to find our way. Um, you know, we're kind of uh, experimenting with a couple of different things uh, and trying to use our personnel to the best uh, of our abilities. But for right now, our calling card has been defense, and and um, you know I, I know we're up there in the top of the country and in the defensive standings, and and that's been more or less what's gotten to us to this point right now. Is is just our our play on that end. Um, and you know, we, we work up, we work on it a lot, but we also work on offense a lot and, uh, we just gotta, uh, figure some things out on the offensive end. But, but yeah, definitely if, if there's one thing that I think has helped us the most uh, up to this point, it's been half court defense. One person said to me, it's about defense. They said it's about the two, three, maybe I'm naive, but, uh, the two three seems to be, and, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but I mean it seems to be the introductory to zone defenses. But I find it ironic that a lot of teams struggle against a two three. Granted, I think they struggle against a lot of zones in general, but you know, the two three is the one I see as the most common. So why is yours working maybe a little bit better than everybody else? Um, well, not too many teams um I, I would venture to guess work on it as much as we do. Uh, it's 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 a staple of our practice. We work on it every day. Um, we have different variations that we play, and depending on what the offense does, we can switch it up or use adjustments that that our guys are comfortable with. Um, but you know, it, it, usually a two three is something you can throw out there a few possessions and and get a team rattled a little bit. That's kind of on a roll, and then once they kind of hit their stride, you got to jump out of it. But um, with the way we play, it's it's just one of those things where we've we've kind of uh, pulled some stuff from a lot of different two three zones and used a lot of different concepts. And um, I've more or less used all the uh, things I've liked from you know a little bit of Syracuse, a little bit of this team, a little bit of high school teams. Anything I think that we think can benefit our personnel and and the teams we play against. Uh, if I think they'll struggle against that. We try to incorporate it. So, you know, we use a lot of different um, uh, setups in practice just to kind of make sure we're ready for anything that the offense may throw at us. But, uh, again, 
you know, teams may play through two, three here and there, but I'm sure they're not putting as much time into it as we do in practice. And, and we do work on some man here and there, but honestly, um, if we're playing man to man, we're we're not where we're at right now. Uh, it's just not our not our personnel. And I think we've gotten to the point where we're comfortable enough playing zone the majority, if not all, of the game, and, and and we trust that defense that that you know that's more or less our calling card. So, um, you know, we're we're defensively we're fine so far. Uh, hopefully, it keeps up. Uh, offensively, again, as you mentioned, I think that's going to be where we need to improve the most if we want to get to where we want to go. Talking to Chad Dickman here, head coach of the Hood men's basketball team um, in the MAC Commonwealth. Um, talking to him via Skype. We appreciate him taking the time. Um, you know, what's interesting is, you know, this is a Commonwealth that, you know, the D3 hoops group, uh, I can't remember where we put you guys. I want somewhere around 10 or 15, somewhere in the 10 to 15 range, I think, in terms of, of one of the top conferences. I might be wrong. Gordon's probably listening and correct me. It's definitely in the top 20. But we talked about its depth. There hasn't been a top of this conference that has dominated in a number of years. The middle is always full of good teams, and the bottom is just good enough to ruin anybody's night on any given night. But the top's continually changing. Um, Alvernia's won in the tournament the last couple of years, or uh, for a couple of years, but Stevenson was on top the regular season. Uh, Lycoming started the season last year tremendously, but it was Alvernia who ended up finishing on top. Lycoming uh, is on top now, I think. I think I say that completely. Albright's on top now, interestingly enough, kind of coming from the behind, from the back of the pack for a while. With Lie coming up there, Lebanon Valley's back in the mix. You're in the mix with Alvernia. Arcadia's lurking. It, obviously, that makes it fun, but it's also got to make it a little bit frustrating. Um, yes, it's, <laughs> it, it is. It is a rough... When we hit January, um, it, it's a rough go, and and maybe it's just personal experience, but we we've always been very good out of conference. I mean, we were eight and one out of conference this year, um, two and two in the conference, uh, and 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 we could very easily be zero and four in the conference. Um, it's I'm biased, but I, I I think our conference is very very underrated. Um, I think we just beat up in each other uh, throughout the year. And, and you're right, I don't think there's any team such as a Christopher Newport that that rolls through the conference and and loses one game all year um but you know we are I always tell people our, our worst team in our conference is always a good good division three team so there's no off nights um and and anyone can beat anyone and I think you can look at the scores throughout the season and you'll see so many single digit games uh I mean it's amazing um but you know I I I think Rick Ferry was on earlier this season and said something about, uh, you know, our conference didn't have that, a couple of those signature national wins, um, which is true. But, you know, it seems like when our conference is so even, when, when one of our teams gets to the national tournament, it's usually because they won the conference tournament and it's usually not the one, number one seed. And so they're usually playing at someone's home gym in the region and, and it never fails. They usually give that team, uh, you know, a heck of a run that first game. Um, but you know, I, again, I, I'm sure I'm partial to our conference this year. Um, we haven't done as well out of conference as I would have, uh, expected. Cause I, I, I think our conference is, is still very, very good. Um, but they've had a couple, uh, you know, tough games, but you know, like I said, when we get to January, we know that it's going to be just a battle night in and night out. And, uh, you know, we, 
it, some conferences you may have those one or two teams where it's just like, oh, well, thank God we have so-and-so coming up. Um, we don't have that luxury in our conference whatsoever. Um, you know, very well-coached conference, um, very, very solid teams, no unbeatable teams. But, um, you know, if you don't show up to play, you're going to get beat without a doubt. Um, when it comes to your program, you're in your second year. You followed your father, uh, Tom Dickman. By the way, I don't remember Tom playing that much 2-3 zone. Uh, if I remember correct, uh, I think he was more of a, a man to man guy. Um, but you did follow your father. You played at St. Vincent. So you obviously had some small, small college experience. Were they D3 when you were there? Uh, no, they were NAI when I was there. They were there. NAI. I thought, I thought the transition had been after. Um, what, what a drove you to, um, a stay in coaching cause you did some coaching afterward and then follow your father and then take over for a program that that he had done so amazingly well for during his tenure. Um, well, when I graduated college, I had actually had plans to go to grad school and get my MBA. And you know, I I love playing so much. Coaching hadn't really crossed my mind because I was really upset that my playing career was done, and I thought I had to move on, but. Um, I ended up getting a, a call from Jada Frugio, who was the head coach at Wheeling Jesuit, a uh, mm -hmm. Division II school in West Virginia at the time. And we used to scrimmage them when I was at St. Vincent. And, you know, we had a pretty good rapport when, when he had come up and we had gone down there. And, and my father is actually from Wheeling. And so there was a little bit, bit of a connection there. And, and his assistant had just left to take an assistant coaching job at Dayton, I believe. And this was in like late August or early August. And so he was scrambling and he wanted to find a young guy because the guy that left was uh, kind of, uh, he was an older guy looking to, to jump up the ranks. So he wanted to find a younger guy that would stay there for a while. And so I ended up taking that job and got into the coaching uh, business. Um, and, and while I was in grad school, I'd actually uh, coached at St. Vincent for one year while I was going to grad school at uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So that was more of a part-time thing. So at Wheeling Jesuit, it was a full-time job. So, you know, once I did it uh, the first year, I mean, I, I, I couldn't really see myself going back to a finance job or an office job. Um, I, I just kind of caught the bug. So um, I was there for nine years. And, um, you know, uh, Jay DeFrugio, the head coach that hired me, actually went on to the NBA with the Indiana Pacers. And so a, uh, a new coach had come. Uh, and he was also an athletic director, so he kept me on, which was which was nice. Um, and so I never really, you know, it, it may sound dumb now, but I never really put two and two together thinking that I'd take over from my, my father in hood. Um, but, you know, as things may happen, he, he, uh, he, he let me know that, you know, <laughs> his, as he was taking over eight, as, for eight, or as the AD, because um, Gib Romain, the previous AD, had left. And so they were, he was going to have a full-time assistant um, because he was taking over that job. So asked me if I wanted it. Um, I was actually talking to a couple of Division II schools for head jobs at the time, had a couple of interviews. Um, but I ended up deciding to come back to Hood, and, and, and he told me he probably had a few years left. So I, I knew the situation, and I knew that I'd you know, more or less have to shoot myself in the foot and do something crazy to, 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 <laughs> to not be able to uh, – you know, follow those footsteps because uh, the president at the time, Ron Volpe, was was very high. I mean, we had a good relationship, and I, I know that's what he wanted. Um, and so it's it, it, it was uh, kind of full circle. So now, you know, 
Um, after two years as an assistant, my, my father stepped down and, he, and he's still athletic director now. So um, I took over and it, it was nice because the two years I was here, he really gave me a lot of uh, kind of leeway and freedom to, to recruit and, and run things that we, that I wanted to. Um, and, and that really helped because, you know, now we're taking over and we got some guys that I recruited my first year and it's been good. It's been really good. And, and that makes it easier, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a kind of a crazy situation and, and, you know, looking back at it, it's just like, you know, kind of common sense, like, oh, of course, you're gonna take it for your dad. People tell me that all the time. And I'm just like, I never really thought of it like that. I never saw that coming. Um, but, you know, the, everything fell uh, where, where it fell. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy. I mean, it, it's a great, it's a great college, great area. I'm back in my, in my hometown. And uh, it, it's going well. I think we've got a good thing going. And you know, hopefully we keep that up. Uh, talking to Chad Dickman here, head coach for the Hood Blazers. Uh, team is having a tremendous season. Of course, uh, they'd love to have it better. Uh, last two games are losses, unfortunately. Uh, on December 30th, the Swarthmore in overtime, 72-63, and then just last night to Albright, 61-57. Albright, a bit of a surprise in the turn in, in the conference. I knew they would be improved. We invited them to the Hoopsville Classic. They're on top of the conference. What do you make of Albright this season? What do you make of the rest of the conference? Is this a surprising season? Yeah, it was actually... Kind of wonder if I was going to hit the axe after the last two games. <laughs> yeah, you know, son, I'll, I'll take over. I got it. Now I'll you, you just go sit down and watch how I do this. <laughs> um, but no, it was uh, you know it was two 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 good teams. I think Albright's very underrated. Um, they've kind of had our number the last couple of years. Uh, when they come to play, they're tough to beat. Uh, well coached. Um, and in the Swarthmore game. That was that was a rough one, uh, just because I thought we had the game won. Uh, we were up by nine with less than four minutes left, and and they made they made some big shots, and, and we had a couple uh, possessions where we just kind of gave it away, and uh, that would have been a nice signature win for us, um, just because as you mentioned earlier, we 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 weren't you know looked on looked upon very highly before the season, and you know we've kind of had a chip on our shoulder, and and that's something we've kind of uh, you know bulletin with board material with the, with the team. Um, and, and that was a chance to kind of do something on a national, uh, you know, uh, spotlight. And and we and when we had the game, and 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 they just made more plays than us down uh, at the end of the game. So um, that one was tough. And then up at Albright, I knew it was going to be a rough game. Uh, I think they're much better than the record right now. Um, and and I, I think they're four zero in the conference right now. So. You know, it's. I, I'm sure you can ask Rick Ferry, their, their coach. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't expect to go undefeated. Uh, no. He knows that it's going to be a, a grind as well. And, you know, as we previously talked about, uh, it, anyone can beat anyone. So, you know, it, it's just, it's honestly, if you told me one through nine teams, if you told me, you know, who was going to win the, the conference championship right now, um, nothing would surprise me. Um, it's just it's just one of those things where any team can get hot and every game's going to be close. So it's just a matter of, you know, a couple of bounces either way. So, um, you know, it's it's taxing and it's and it's and it's uh, for a coach. It's a it's a rough couple months in the conference. But, uh, you know, you got to come to play and, and you got to win the close games. And we've been fortunate, um, you know, this year and the previous years that I've been a hood to we, we won our fair share of close games. Um. Yeah, Albright, Coach Rick Ferry. He maybe someone told him you were coming on the show. 
Yeah, might have had something to do with it. I don't know. Rick's a good man. We like Rick. We had him on at the Hoopsville Classic. Hey, uh, tell me a little bit about your team. Three seniors leading the way. Scott Boland, 14.5 points a game, seven rebounds a game. Tanner Ruth's uh, nearly nine points a game, uh, two rebounds a game. By the way, Boland nearly three assists a game, and Ruth's two assists a game. They also get a couple of steals a game. Trevor Mag- uh, Magnuski, the other senior, eight and a half, five and a half on the on the rebounds. As apparently we had some problems there, Coach. Hopefully we can get him back there. We'll see if we cut off. Yeah, I I see you, Coach. Uh, there he is. He's back. Um, Magnuski, we were talking about again, um, playing pretty well too. Obviously senior laden, but tell us a little bit more than just the stat sheet tells me uh, about. Trevor Magnuski. Well, about the whole, about the team, the seniors and et cetera. Um, yeah, I mean, we have we have three seniors, um, one junior, uh, and those guys have have done a really good job, kind of leading the way. Um, they're not the most vocal guys, but they lead by example, um, and, and they and they kind of get guys in line behind them to to kind of follow their their path. So, um, very very important players. I mean, they're. You know, Scott Bowen is is a very good uh, player, and and he usually fills the the, the box score. But um, you know, guys like Terrell Magnuski, uh, you know, Tanner Ruth, uh, Luke Casey, those guys just do so many things that don't show up in a box score um, that that are important to our team. And you know, we have we have some good young guys. Uh, like some of our freshmen are, are going to be really good players. They haven't had a chance to kind of get out there and and show what they, they can do yet. But um, a lot of it's just the mental, they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're learning that the college game is, is not only a lot tougher uh, athletically, but there's so much more thinking involved. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's so much more reading defenses and reading offenses. And, and that's where they're, you know, slowly coming along um, because you know, talent-wise, uh, our young guys are talented enough to, to to help us out right now. But you know, now it's just a matter of making that next step on the mental side, and obviously getting uh, all the rotations and spacing and angles with our zone that uh, we can be comfortable enough to to, to put them in there uh, for significant minutes. But um, you know, overall, our uh, our team we're we're very experienced. We've had a lot of some of our sophomores started most of the games last year. Uh, as freshmen. So, um, you know, the future is definitely bright. Uh, losing those three seniors next year are, is definitely going to hurt, but we, we definitely have rein, reinforcements ready. But, um, you know, hopefully we're not really thinking about that this year. We're just trying to, you know, milk this year for all it's worth while we have those three guys. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us to talk about your squad. Obviously, I've had my eye on them. Uh, off to a great start. Uh, in the middle of what could be another fascinating Commonwealth Connection uh, race. I realize the Internet's dropped, but you may be still able to hear us. Uh, if you get back, we got one more question for you. We'll see. Coach, uh, we're working on it. Apparently the Internet just wants to act up. There, He's coming. We got him. Trust us. We'll get him back. Um, if you're there, Coach, we'll just stall for a second here. There he is. Uh, it's all right. It happens to the best of us. Trust us. Um before we let you go, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, just, I mean, we've, we've, we've had a lot of community support this year. Um, the, the students have been great. Um, you know, school's been uh, kind of excited. We've had a couple teams on our campus that have had really strong years, so that's, yeah. that's exciting. And, um, you know, as a, team, as a school that's just had 
male students for 13 years, uh, you know, we're, we're really trying to make a name for ourselves. We don't have that, you know, traditional, uh, you know, name power that, the you know, the Salisbury's and the Catholics have. So, um, you know, it's it's good to finally kind of put ourselves on the map in a, in a couple sports. So, um, you know, obviously men's basketball has been pretty strong. Uh, we're just trying to make that next step nationally. So um, we definitely appreciate the support from the c community and um, we appreciate everything you guys do for 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 Division Three basketball. I mean, it's you know the the the, the media, the the stats, the website. Um, when I was in the, at the Division Two level, my my father always used to tell me like check out you know d3hoops.com. You, you, whatever you need to know, you'll see there. And I was amazed at how much of an upgrade it was to the Division Two national site. If there is even a, mm -hmm. you have to go to a couple other small ones. They didn't have like a headquarters of Division II basketball when I was there. I, I don't know if they do or not now, but nope. um, it was such an upgrade from, at, at the D3 site where you could just get everything. I mean, stats, scores, schedules. Um, so that, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, man, that, that, that is a really nice uh, promotional tool and marketing tool to have for Division III basketball. So, you know, it's definitely great for us and I know all the uh, the, the coaches and players in Division 3 appreciate it and all the work you do so uh, thank you for that and I appreciate you having me on your show. Well thank you coach appreciate the kind words as well good luck the rest of the season we'll keep an eye on the Blazers and the Mac Commonwealth race and uh, we wish you nothing but the best. I appreciate it thanks Dave. Absolutely. Chad Dickman joining us once again on the uh, City of Salem Skype hotline. Uh, team is, as we mentioned, pretty having a pretty good season, but it's going to be a tough uh, battle in that Commonwealth. Uh, they are ten and three overall, two and two. Albright is four and zero, oh, but they're six and seven overall. It's that kind of season in the Mac Commonwealth. It'll be fun to watch. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll jump from Maryland to Washington State, Walla Walla, Washington, and Whitman, number two team in the country. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. 
This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And we're back. How about that? Technology. It, it works in amazing ways sometimes. Hope you're enjoying the show. I am Dave McHugh, your host from the WBCA NABC studios. Just a reminder, we will circle back to the Stevens Point story here coming up. Um, also, we've got our brand new mailbag segment to come. Um, we'll even have some emails that are unrelated to the mailbag. But, for example, we just got one about Stevens Point. We will have all that coming up. Plus, um, Alex Richard. Former player for Stevens Point, who won a national championship in 2015. He will join us on the show. We'll ask him questions about what so far we have heard. Again, not from the NCAA, but from Stevens Point themselves. That's all coming up on what will definitely be an overtime show. Um, in the meantime, let's keep talking about other things going on. And we talk about some surprises this season. I think everyone expected Whitman to be good this year. They got over the, the hump of beating Whitworth last year, um, They thanks in part in the NCAA tournament. They got in that large bid, which was their first NCAA tournament in program history, made a tremendous run to the Sweet 16. It was exciting to watch. But what were we going to see this year? Could they build on it? Build on it. Build on it they have. This team is certainly having a good season. They've got a win over Whitworth, which – you may not think it's a big deal. Trust me, it's a big deal in the Northwest. It's kind of like beating St. Thomas in the MIAC. It might be like beating Amherst in the NESCAC. It's beating the big dog who tends to control the show. They are 11-0, 2-0 in conference play, just getting over a win over Buena Vista. They have scored 100 points four times this season. Apparently, they've got a good offense. They've also played a, a who's who of, of teams besides Whitworth. They've also played Texas Lutheran and Worcester. Played Marietta, beat Marietta by a point. What do we make of all this? Well, that's why we have the uh, Skype hotline, as it were. And that's why we talk to coaches on the show. And joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline is Eric Bridgeland, head coach for the number two Whitman head, uh, men's basketball team, now known as the Blues. And coach, no truth to the rumor, you've been kicked down to the basement, right? This is by choice. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, of course it's by choice. Uh, I'm <laughs> over here, and then I got the dog over there in the corner, you know, uh, eating dinner. So Whole yeah. new term for man cave, coach. Yeah, no question. Literally a cave. Um, no, seriously, 11-0. I, I, I had you in my top 25 in the preseason. I said, okay, listen, they're going to build off of last year. I didn't expect to be putting you in my top 10 already. I didn't expect you to be sitting at number two. And that's not disrespect. That's just saying you guys have made a giant leap forward. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, you know, we... Last year, we really made um, an effort um, uh, to go along with how the NCAA uh, tournament committee thinks uh, to play the very best teams that we can. And each year is different. And uh, we have op and it seemed like we had an opportunity to play uh, what is it six tournament teams, you know, uh, in the preseason uh, from uh, last year. And uh, we were. Uh, we had a chance to get Wooster. Um, that was a big deal. Texas Lutheran and, and uh, St. Olaf's has always been good. Um, and uh, we uh, made a deal that if we're going to make this tournament in uh, Daytona, that we must play Marietta uh, just to get out of our region and like play some of the uh, classic powers uh, across the country. And um, as a staff, we were like, well, if we lose two, three, four games, as long as we're growing, that's a great thing, you know. 
Um, I don't think we ever thought that we would come through that unblemished, you know. Um, but it's it's a it's a real uh, a real compliment to our returners and the guys that were a big part of our run last year have have uh, taken one game at a time and, and uh, focused uh, humbly on one game at a time, knowing that anybody could beat them, of course. And uh, I'm taking those uh, threats seriously, you know. You beat St. Olaf by 30 to start the season, 108-78. You beat Texas Lutheran by 16. You beat Whitworth by 14, though. That game was a little closer in the second half. Whitworth, though, had to come from behind. You controlled much of it. Watch the Worcester game. I'll freely admit I wasn't blown away. I didn't get a chance to watch the Marietta game. It seems like you guys might be up and down, that that you're still trying to gather what makes you makes you good? Like the thirty point game against St. Olaf isn't necessarily the game I saw against Worcester. Right, right. You know, with us, um, we feel like we've got a, a bunch of different ways that we can win a game, and um, pressure is always involved, and running is always involved, and um, certain teams have better guard played uh, than others. You know, um, so it's not. There's been games like. Um, Wooster, we uh, were very fortunate to win. They had three or four shots in the last 25 seconds to uh, to uh, win the game. You know, we missed uh, 24 free throws in that game. You know, uh, you know. So in and then play Marietta, and and you know, we, we have a five point lead late, and then they get a one point lead off of a couple of uh, turnovers, and and so uh, we've been pretty consistent um, with our effort in uh, with showing up to play. Um, and we've uh, found ways to win uh, those games, you know. Uh, I'm not sure that we've played uh, poorly. Um, we haven't been clicking on all cylinders yet. One of our best returners, um, Christian McDonald, who was an all-conference uh, all guy last year, had a knee surgery in April, and he's not been a big part of what's been happening on the floor yet, and he's getting better and better and better. So we're kind of doing it without him to this point, which no one ever thought that would happen. Um, so... Uh, we think we have a very high ceiling, and we're not close to that yet. That's how we feel. So we feel very fortunate to be where we're at. I saw you guys in person back in 2013, uh, in December 2013, the 13-14 season at the D3Hoops.com Classic. You beat Superior, and then you had a heck of a game against Stevens Point, which you guys lost in overtime. But you had come off back-to-back 19-win seasons. You had been building, obviously, early in your tenure at Whitworth, I mean at, at Whitman, um, and Whitworth obviously controlled the conference. You guys finished 16 and 10 that year and then broke out at 20 and 6 the following. So tell me, what's different about the program from the one I saw in Stevens Point in 2013, which seems to be the turning point to now? You know what's interesting is um, knock on wood a whole bunch of times and do it for me is each year we've had uh, a season ending injury to uh, one of our top players. And you know, even last year, we broke through, but we lost our returning league and score in November to a, uh, a uh, torn Achilles. You yeah. know? Um, even in the game that you saw us when we played Stevens Point, we were missing Ben Eisenhart, who was a returning All-American that got concussed and was out three months in the middle of the year. So it hasn't there, there was no way to or it was tougher to gain momentum and, and uh, really peak at the right time. Um, I felt like. Uh, that season, we also had our a senior point guard break his foot in a game in February, and he was the glue to everything. So it's it's uh, maybe bad luck or just fortune, but um, I think we've just uh, kind of uh, made the most of what we had the last two or three years. And, and uh, with a little luck, like you said, those one-point games, or uh, we had an, uh, 
overtime win last year against Cal Lutheran on a neutral floor that I thought was a huge win, and that might have gotten us into the tournament, you know? Um, so just lucky, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Um, interesting enough, conference action, you kind of get back into it. As we mentioned, you already you already played uh, Whitworth and Willamette uh, earlier this season. You'll get back into, into the swing of things this weekend. Linfield and Pacific at home, followed by Pacific Lou and Puget Sound at home. So you'll have four straight home games before you'll get back on the road. Oddly or interestingly enough, you'll play your solo rematch against Whitworth right uh, near the end of January with a ton of basketball left. So this is kind of a multi-pronged question. First and foremost, how do you now refocus on the conference and not overlook teams like Linfield and Pacific and Pacific Lutheran when sitting on top? Well, I don't think... um... I know our entire staff is not overlooking anybody. Uh, we spend just as uh, an even amount of time on every um, every opponent that's on our schedule. So right now we've been talking about Linfield all week long and not a word about Pacific. Um, although there's uh, things we're doing in practice that would um, prepare us, help prepare us for both games. Sure. But um, I don't think anyone, I think anyone or everyone on our team realizes that we could lose to anybody anywhere, you know. Um, our alumni have a different idea. They think we're never going to lose a game, which is crazy, <laughs> you know, um, but it's, so, uh, we're very grounded. I don't, um, I think we're having a ton of fun. We're just having fun and we're uh, trying to get better every day, like coaches say, but, but, uh, I don't think we're overlooking anybody. Um, and we're not getting the feel from our players that we're, um, overlooking anybody, you know? Well, and then the second part of that is you do play that Whitworth Whitworth game on January 24th. It's not near the end of the season like it sometimes has been or most times has been in the past. Can that be a, a double-edged sword? Can that be one of those, okay, listen, we got the other game coming up, we'll be focused, but then the whole rest of the season you don't have that cherry or that carrot at the end of the season that's going to kind of have you, fo- you know, not focused, but, you know, driving you a little bit. I don't know. Um, I don't know if we view Whitworth like that. Um, you know, like this is the first year in a long time that we played them at home first. Usually it's always we play yeah. them there. Um, so it was a nice to play them at home first. Like, it's the first time in what five years or something like that. Um, so that was nice. Uh, you know, we're honestly not thinking about them at all. And um, I and, and I doubt they're thinking about us. There's so many other games of importance between now and then, um, you know, like starting tomorrow night, like Linfield is is uh, is capable of beating anybody. So uh, that's not even in uh, my galaxy of thoughts. And I, and I don't think our guys are thinking like that either. Um, you know, like you would you would know this. You know, we made it to the NCAAs the first time last year and the uh, a bulk of our guys are back and we don't have a senior. So we're a little bit young and we're a little bit, uh, you know, um, squirrely at times. But there's a real swagger that comes from uh, doing something that's never been done at a school, you know, or, or mm-hmm. just that you, and so our guys have that, they have that confidence of like, boy, if we work hard and we stay together, we could do it again. And then maybe we could even go farther And that confidence, that swag. If, if we do things right, um, you know, we can and will, that's a confidence that you just don't get by talking about it. Like having actually done it, that was a big deal, and, and I think that really matured everybody by an extra year, it seemed, or you know? Um, yeah. Um, interesting enough, the third part of that question about the conference is the women's has been deep. It's been yeah. very deep. This year maybe Pretty. even deeper, uh, yeah. at least four teams in the conversation, if not further. Right. I look at 
the men's side, it's been top heavy. It's been Whitworth, 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 and occasionally yourselves, or not occasionally yourselves. You're you're in the conversation far more than that. What I meant to say is occasionally there's somebody else besides yourself uh, right. who's kind of made it on top and making a two horse race. I'm sensing a little bit. It may be a little bit deeper now that those other teams, the uh, well, George Fox is sitting on top of the conference despite a five and seven record, but Puget sounds eight and three. Linfield's an improved seven and four. Pacific seven and three. And granted, yeah. a lot of these games against teams we can't really appreciate. But is this conference doing what the women have already done and starting to to develop some depth to make it more competitive and maybe even help you guys out? I don't think um, on the men's side it's even close to where it's at on the women's oh, side. Of course or, not. Like, no. Uh, like uh, on the women's side, there's there's uh, there's always three teams there in the top 25, and they're uh, nationally known. And there's multiple champions from our conference, you know, nationally. So, um, but we feel our staff feels that that this is um, the most parity and the deepest that the conference has been in some time. So it, it uh, we feel like we could lose to anybody in it. Um, there's so many good teams. Like like you just uh, finished rattling off, um, you know, like Whitworth had such a stranglehold. We were just talking about it last night. They've in their last 57 games, um, they they're uh, 54 and three, and their three losses are against us. You know, they haven't lost another game to anybody mm. uh, except for one tournament game two years ago. Yep. You know, so so they're still dominant, and then and until someone knocks them off, truly knocks them off, you know, within the conference, uh, you know, uh, I don't think you can really uh, replace them. You know, uh, we would like to think that we're uh, making a case for it now. You know, game by game. You know, um, I don't know that there's a consistent third team yet that you could um rival the women's side um sure yeah you know they're just uh but but they're good but i wouldn't say that they're great you know yeah uh, on a, a national scale like um ripen or ripen i and i um apologize on their uh, butchering their pronunciation it's ripen uh, yeah they're so good and they came in and they had just a battle with pacific the other night and and, and uh it would have been nice to um pull that one out for our conference you know yeah uh, you, you know so until we start uh, winning some of those bouts with, with uh, more teams than just Whitman and uh, or uh, Whitworth and us, uh, I don't think we can make that claim yet. You know. Real quick about your team, your two number two ranked in the D3Hoops.com uh, poll. You're led by Tim Howell, twenty points a game, two and a half rebounds a game, uh, two two assists a game, um, and shooting forty seven percent from the floor and forty six percent from beyond the arc. You got Joey Hewitt, uh, nearly twelve points a game. A 94% free throw shooter, three and a half rebounds a game. You got Jess, uh, Jace Hart Harrison, I apologize, 11 points a game, 11 points a game from Jack Stewart. Four guys in double figures there. And then when you look at the rebounding total, Hewitt's at 4.1. Otherwise, uh, 5.1 from Austin Butler. Uh, otherwise, nothing jumps out at me. This is a, it's a pretty even team in many ways. Yeah, we're very, very deep. And we're very, very deep with guys that um, um, that um, played a hand and uh, had a hand in our run last year, you know. And they're mm -hmm. just a um, a year older. Um, we're we're just uh, deep and versatile, you know. It, like, it seems like we play Wooster and and uh, we're not playing well and can't hit a free throw. We can't separate. And you know, uh, Jace Harrison has 27, you know, and he's averaging 11. And then we're uh, playing Covenant. And we're in trouble and. But uh, Joey Hewitt has 28. You know, like it seems like a different person um, can step up each night uh, with something that's um, pretty special. You know, um, if you look at the numbers, we are uh, we uh, we do have a, not, a plus nine plus ten turnover differential, uh, which is uh, a lot. 
and and uh, we have a style of play where we're, where we are running and put tremendous pressure on you in, in your transition defense. Um, and there's a bunch of guys that can make plays in there, um, not necessarily just scoring, but like making the extra pass and doing that. And and there's not one one inkling of selfishness. You know, all the guys want to do is have fun and, and uh, enjoy winning together. Um, I think that's probably the, the, our biggest weapon right there. Okay, so trick question. Are you fairly the number two team in the country, and how do you keep your team focused on the task without getting wrapped up in being the number two team in the country? We've never talked about that, so uh, I'm sure that uh, they're aware of it, um, but it's never come, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, from our state. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, and I, I say that tongue in cheek. Um, <laughs> you know, we knew, you know, like we talk about Marietta and like getting ready to play them, you know. We tried to play as tough a schedule as we possibly can with um, teams that were in the tournament last year, and, and uh, even Covenant. We had one heck of a battle with them, and, and uh, they won their conference last year and got in and all that. And, and you know, so we don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I look at the teams that were playing and, and, and uh, go, you know, uh, Marietta just beat uh, Muskingham or um, pronounced mm-hmm. them right by 45 or 50, and they were good. You know, um, you know, so it's. It, I don't know. I think it depends on the matchup uh, between teams. Um, I know that we have a lot more golf to uh, play, and we and we are focusing on one opponent at a time. And then, and then when your wonderful show comes up, you know, in March, hopefully we've got an automatic with uh, having won the Northwest Conference, and or we get in that large. But but until then, it's weekly, one game at a time, and and uh, all all the rest of that stuff. Um, I think our guys are doing a pretty good job of, 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 of focusing at the, a challenge at hand and not what the what a ranking is or when we're playing Whitworth next, I'm, uh, you know, those things. Uh, we're working hard at not uh, even thinking about that, and I think it's that's been pretty easy not to think about that, I think. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, somewhat easy, right? Um, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this is a fascinating season to me. Um, again, I had you in my top 25. Uh, I think I had you in my top 15, if I remember, in the preseason. It's just an amazing run you're on right now. I, I'm fascinated to see it play on. I, I am luckily stay up late at night so I can catch a few games here and there. So uh, hopefully we can get you back to the D3Hoops.com Classic or the Hoopsville Classic in the future. Otherwise, as always, I give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to give to those who may be tuning in? I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record if uh, anyone's ever listened. Uh, you guys are awesome. You give us the, the greatest coverage, and you make uh, um, our student-athletes uh, at our level feel so special day in, day out with the website and then uh, Hoopsville. And, and um, the way you go about your work really brings so much to the Division three level. And, and uh, um, it's important that everyone knows how special you guys are. So uh, thank you for all your work and uh, having me on. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Coach. Good luck the rest of the season. I look forward to seeing you play out. I Hopefully we're talking in March. How about that? Would love it. That's the plan. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Take care. All right, Dave. See you. Eric Bridgeland joining us again from Walla Walla, Washington. The team is a, uh, 11-0, 2-0 in the conference play. They'll take on Linfield and Pacific in conference action coming up this weekend. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Going to take another break. We're heading into overtime. We have a couple things to take care of. First, the mailbag. And second of all, a talk with Alec Richard. Actually, we'll probably talk to Alec Richard first, and then we'll hand the mail back to wrap up the show. Uh, former Stevens Point player, looking forward to his take on what has come out of Stevens Point today and so far. Maybe he can shed some insight on what's going on. We'll find out. We're, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. When we come back, like I said, Eric Richard chats about his 
uh, former head coach and team. You're listening to Hoops. We'll be back with more in a moment. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us while we're on the air or even when we're off the air, you can always email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also uh, tweet us at d3hoops or hashtag hoopsville. Plenty have done that today. Um, you can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville as well. Um, let's go back to the Stevens Point story, which we started off the top. We mentioned we're going to have a mailbag segment. We will. This is a little bit of a teaser of that, though we have not. Uh, actually um, talked about or shown you the mailbag, but this is an email per Stevens Point. It's from Matthew. He writes, Bob Semling is a class act. I have coached against him for years. He's always prided himself in running a top-shelf program. I can say that several other institutions in the country have done exactly what happened to Stevens Point without knowing that a violation was happening. I look forward to the truth being told without rumor and speculation. Rumors can ruin a coach and a program, so please do all you can to know the truth before broadcasting anything regarding Bob's program, his players, and his coaches. I will say this first and foremost. Nothing we have said here on this program has been a rumor or speculation. Everything we have said on this program has either come from Stevens Point themselves or people we have talked to themselves. When we got the information today from Stevens Point, we have read verbatim what Stevens Point has said about that. I have had conversations with people close to Stevens Point and reported that stuff accurately. So we're not spreading rumor and we're not speculating on anything. I have absolutely no idea what specifically Stevens Point has been targeted by the NCA as to have violated, except for what Stevens Point has reported today. That's not rumor and that's not speculation. That is directly from a media release from Stevens Point. Same thing happened with the uh, reporter earlier. He did report that he has a feeling that Bob Semling is done. 
He is basing that on his professional judgment, and he's basing that on what he is seeing going on and what we know has happened in the past in these situations. We know that Bob Semling has been told to not be anywhere near the program, to not be involved in practices, to not show up at games. That is a fact. What does this all mean? We don't know. We do can say that a former player has agreed to come on our show. Alec Richard, we've been calling him Richard all day. I felt like being fancy, I guess. Alex Richard played on that 2015 national championship team, and he joins us on the City of Salem Skype, or non-Skype, <laughs> City of Salem hotline. Uh, Alex, thank you for joining me and taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. First and foremost, your reaction to what the news was when you saw it first today? Um, you know, initially it was, it was pretty shocking. Um, you know, being a player for four years under Coach Semling, and, you know, I'll say we a lot. I refer to, you know, former players that played with me for my four-year career at Stevens Point. Um, just very shocking, disappointing um, to hear such a, you know, a, a bad thing come about for a great coach, a coach who's meant, you know, so much to me personally and has had such a big part in shaping in the way, you know, my life is today. Um, so just very disappointed to hear the news um, that came about so abruptly. When you look at the allegations, and I'll, I'm going to ask you some specifics in a minute, so you don't have to get yep. into specifics now, but you look at the allegations and, and, we're, and we're getting them straight from Stevens Point, who's clearly getting them from the NCAA's investigation. Yep. How does it compare to what you were under the impression prior to? Obviously, this we I think this revolves around your senior year is where we thought this started. It's obviously a larger set of years than that. But when how does it compare to what you were under the impression they were being looked at in the first place? Well, Dave, just you know, just to clear things up, I want to definitely clarify that you know the, the term allegation does still mean that there is need to be proven. Um, so that, that term doesn't mean that nothing has been proven yet. They're obviously just statements that have been created by the university. And obviously, UWSP released those allegations. But, you know, me as a former player and, you know, former players I've played with, we definitely want to state right off the bat that we disagree with those allegations. Um, and we disagree strongly with the punishment that the University of Stevens Point has laid down on Coach Semling. Um, we disagree strongly. Uh, we think it is far too severe. Um, and, again, like I said, those allegations, they haven't been proven yet. Um, They've just been stated by the university. Well, let me ask you this. As I finish something, I apologize. I'm, I'm writing something to make sure people realize uh, that you're able to be heard on the show. Let me ask you this. The allegations are obviously coming from the investigation that the NCA is doing. We're not assuming, you're not under any belief that the school is making up any of those um, allegations, are you? Or do you think there's, there's anything that has been said that is not coming from potentially the investigation that's underway? Um, not necessarily. I, I just very strongly disagree with the allegations that have been listed, um, the terming and wording they use. Um, being a player that's played four years, um, there was never, and I know this term has been thrown around in the media, which is you know very classic of situations like this. The media often you know misconstrues information um, there was never practices that were held out of season, and that needs to be stated straight up, and that, that is nothing but the truth. Never once was a, a practice held before October 15th, the start date of all Division Three practices. Um, open gyms were held, and those were player-led open gyms, just as any good Division Three program, whether it's football, volleyball, soccer, they hold open gyms, which are led by the players. Um, so I just want to state right there that there was never once a practice held 
that gave UWSP an unfair advantage. Okay, let me ask you then about that. And just based based strictly from what I'm reading from Stephen's point today, which has got wording that I've read a million times from the NCAA. The first allegation it's alleged in that five-year period, the men's basketball coaching staff, coaching staff, not just Coach Semling, impermissibly directed, observed, and engaged in men's basketball student-athletes and athletic-related activities outside the institution's declared practice season. So let's take, for example, an open get-together. I'm a former student-athlete. I know exactly what those are like. I played soccer at a college. I know when we got together in the old gym and practiced during the off-season. I know exactly what they're like. You guys get together as a team. Are you saying never in your four years there did Coach Semling Coach Dernbach or somebody else either walk through those practices, stop, watch you guys, or or even direct you in any way at any one of those open gyms? Uh, I decline to comment on that issue. But that's where, okay, so Alex, understand that that's where this is coming from. The media says practices, they're being generic, yes. But that's... You know that's right there's a huge there. Difference is, between practice and open gyms. Well, that's that's what the media. Oh, I don't understand. Dis- oh, Alex, I don't disagree with you. There's a difference between a practice that's been organized by a head coach. But the allegation isn't that. The allegation is that the coaching staff participated in your open gym. Um, the second allegation is that those same instances, 16 times, a prospective student athlete or recruit participated in a practice with the team, whether it be open gym or more formal practice. Do you remember any time a recruit or a prospective student athlete participated in an open gym or practice with your team? No, I do not. That is incorrect. So you don't remember any time, even yourself, for example, being recruited by Stevens Point, because this, for argument's sake, this window, I believe, may encompass you being a, a senior. I could be dead wrong on that in high school. But you didn't participate in a practice when you came to a school visit, and you don't remember any prospective student participating in a practice or an open gym with you guys during your four years there. Correct. That never happened. Okay. Um, the third allegation gets a little complicated. I, I really don't have a question for you because it, it talks about Coach Semling not demonstrating an atmosphere of compliance. That's a little complicated for student-athletes to understand. I don't want to get you into that one. Um, and then the other one basically talks about the uh, failure uh, to, to, to adequately monitor the team which also gets a little bit complicated, but it gets back to the fact that you had open gyms. You guys could form your own practices, perfectly legal. The other complaint that we have heard, and it's been reported by other media outlets, is that sometimes when you guys would get together in an open gym, nobody else was allowed to use the gym. Is that a factual statement, or is that also maybe a little bit misleading? That is very misleading. I'm not sure what that all entails and how, how that statement. And again, that's what I kind of mentioned earlier. You know, when allegations come out like this, obviously there's plenty of media outlets who are looking to get their coverage, and, you know, a lot can be lost in translation how these allegations are presented to the media in different forms, different outlets. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, misinformation and misleading statements that have been leaked. Obviously this comes from an anonymous tip. We don't know where that tip came from. Um, It is not that uncommon in the NCAA about anonymous tips. It's the same thing that uh, brought the investigation for Thomas Moore. It's brought down some other investigations as well. I think the Keene case in women's basketball was an example of an anonymous tip as well. In those 
reports, again, we're still waiting for the NCAA to come out. They say that these open gym scenarios where you guys were practicing, nobody else participated in the open gym because it was under under the belief that the gym was closed or they couldn't participate with you. Do you remember any time that you guys were having an open practice as a team, by yourselves, whatever, where anybody else wanted to use the gym and were not allowed? No, that never happened. Okay. Um, and again, I want to repeat two because they're clarify they're, they're they're important. The first one is you also do not remember a recruit at any time participating in a practice or a shoot around or whatever with anybody on the team to the best of your recollection. Correct. Okay. And the other one, I know you said decline to comment, but I want to make sure I I ask the right question and and you and and it's correct. At any time in those open gyms or those scrimmages that were that were conducted by the team themselves, by the players themselves, I should say, by the players themselves, outside of the permissible dates, meaning before October 15th, the end of the season, which you're familiar with, you don't, your, your no comment is that, or I should say, let me phrase that. My question to you is, do you remember a coach, an assistant coach, anybody who stopped in, who stopped and watched, who took notes, or guided you in those practices? Yeah, again, I have, I have no comment on that okay. issue. Okay, so I just want to make sure that everybody heard it correctly. I don't want to. I don't want someone to go back and misrepresent anything that I said or you said either. So the question to you is: Are you concerned that maybe there is some fire where there is smoke? Considering Coach Semling has been suspended by the school for thirteen games, which is a, a large number. I don't know if it's the highest in Division Three, but it's a large number. And the fact that Coach uh, Dernbach has taken over the program and that we still even haven't heard from the NCAA officially. Are you worried maybe there's something bigger here that you didn't realize was going on? No, I guess just to clarify again, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're waiting just, just to say that we disagree with the, the allegations that have come out initially. Um, and we hope um, as former players and myself, when the NCAA, does give their final ruling that they look more um, deeply and clearly into this issue. But initially we disagree with the allegations and sanctions that UWC has imposed. Um, and we hope that there's more clarity of this issue once the NCAA makes its final ruling. Let me ask you another interesting question. It's come up, a couple of your teammates have mentioned it, um, that certain things were allowed because the athletic director at the time, uh, Montgomery, if I'm correctly, remember correctly, said it was okay. Now, I don't know where they heard that. I don't know if a coach told him that the AD said it was okay. Whatever the case may be, he's no longer there. He's at another institution. Do you remember ever a time where there was a question about what you guys were doing where you were told that the AD said it was okay to do? Um, again, I, I declined to comment on that issue. Okay. At any point during your four years, was there ever a concern that maybe you guys had done something wrong? I know that's a really odd and wide open question but did you ever feel that at some point or was there a conversation like oh no we oh we shouldn't have done that or that wasn't allowed or someone had a conversation about the fact that we have to be careful not to do x y or z absolutely not okay i'm 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 honestly curious we have not heard from the ncaa um officially from them this is one of those rare times that I've seen a school double self-impose themselves. So I'm trying to get mm-hmm. as much information as I possibly can. Uh, and yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I don't yeah. know if I've got anything else I can really ask you considering 
Um, there's a there's there's plenty we don't know, as you point out for the NCAA. Yep. We're basing this mm-hmm. all on what Stevens Point had to say. But per anything yep. I've asked you or anything else you've heard, is there any else anything else you want to say per yourself and the team? Obviously, right now we haven't vacated wins, we haven't vacated a national title or anything like that. Yep. Actually, before I get to that, are you worried they may vacate that national title considering what happened to Thomas Moore? I really I can't comment on that issue. Okay. I'm not sure. By the way, have you have you, has an, an NCA investigation asked you questions? Have they brought you and the team in for questioning as to what happened? I have not been questioned personally. No. Interesting. Okay. Um, do you know of any other teammates who have? Uh, I declined to comment on that issue. Okay. Uh, and finally, any other thoughts you want to get out there uh, about this case? Obviously, under the premise that. We all don't know the official ruling for the NCA, and we don't know where we're going to find out tomorrow. We're going to find out in March or whenever we're going to find out. Yeah, just you know, just kind of as I mentioned earlier, put clarity on what allegation means. Um, they're still looking for proof. It's a statement that's been made um, that hasn't been proven yet. Um, and again, former players, myself included, we uh, disagree with UWSP. You know, there's sanctions they've imposed. We feel that they're far too strict um, for what happened. We hope that the NCA brings clarity. Um, just what I mentioned earlier, there was never once um, a practice held out of season. Um, I know the media makes it seem that we had an unfair advantage, and the reason we won the 2015 national title, and it's not true. Um, we had a great team. Uh, we went on a tremendous run, you know, led by six players that didn't give up, you know, 60 points in six straight games and pretty much a cakewalk to the national championship. Um, and that, that was not because of an unfair advantage or cheating, and that needs to be stated, and everybody needs to know that. Um, so again, these are allegations and we, we disagree with UWSP's penalty. Um, we hope clarity will be brought to this issue by the NCAA. Alex, I appreciate you coming on. One thing I will say, remember I'm media as well, and I haven't made any of those allegations. Uh, I appreciate that, Dave. Okay. I just want to make sure that you guys don't group everybody in. There may be some who may say that, but I certainly haven't alluded that you guys won a national championship because of illegal practices or anything alike. So I just want to make sure. Everybody's on the same page. Um, thank you for taking the time for coming on. I really do appreciate that. Uh, good luck. Yep, By the way, what are you doing? Me. What are you doing these days? Uh, I'm actually. I live in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I'm wow. A graduate assistant, strength and conditioning coach at Southern Mississippi University. So uh, I'm a long ways from from home right now, but um, I've definitely been in contact with plenty of former players who are in Wisconsin right now. Sure. So, uh, far as, away. As close as you are to Louisiana, maybe Richard is a better way of saying your last name. It, it might be yeah, it's a little <laughs> different, a uh, little different lingo down here. Absolutely. Hey, well, congratulations on the career. Thank you very much for taking the time. We'll look forward to seeing how this all plays out and stay in touch. Do you mind? Yep, you bet. Thank, Thank you very you. much for having me. Alex Richard joining us from the uh, 2015 National Championship Stevens Point team. Again, uh, no comment to whether coaching staff uh, impermissibly directed, observed, and engaged in the men's basketball student athletes while they were practicing or 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 playing let's call it let's call it playing on their own uh team organized or or play organized uh occasions uh said he does not remember seeing a prospective student athlete aka a recruit ever participate with the with student athletes in uh period that by the way also occurs with regular practices um and then the three and four, those allegations about Bob Semling demonstrating atmosphere compliance or uh, the fourth allegation of uh, failing to adequately monitor the men's basketball program. Those are a little bit too complex. 
Um, and as a former student athlete, I wouldn't be able to give you an answer to that if I were to ever ask about my former head coach. I do appreciate Alex coming on the show. I want to point out again, previous email and per what Alex said, we have never alluded to anything along the lines of whether these impermissible practices, if they are found to be true by the NCAA, um, led to that national championship. Just as I have said about Thomas Moore, I don't believe that allowing Sidney Moss to stay at a former assistant or current Current assistant coach at the time, former assistant coach overall, House, uh, to recover from major knee surgery had anything to do with leading them to a national championship either. Uh, There's way too many complicated things involved to ever assume such a thing. Does Stevens Point lose their national title in this case? I don't know. But if I'm going based on what Thomas Moore's case says, I think there's a real chance that this could be a problem. Um, Could they vacate some wins? Maybe. I don't know. It, practices gets a little complicated. Whether they deem them to be illegal practices, I don't know. Here's what I do know. Stevens Point has clearly been talking to the NCA in the investigation. Here's their press release. We have it on D3Hoops.com. Here's what I know about this. They have four allegations here that are written as if they're straight out of an NCA investigative report. These The wording is exactly what you would read in the Thomas Moore case. It's exactly what you would read in the Baruch case. It's exactly the wording you would read in the Keynes case. It's NCAA speak. Based on that, I suspect they're getting this straight from the NCAA. And the NCAA is warning them as to what they have found already. Which means the NCAA's case is all but wrapped up. I would argue maybe what has left to do is for the NCAA to determine what the punishment will be. And Stevens Point, as an institution and as an academic pro or athletic program, what they have done with this report and these and these punishments is get ahead of those punishments coming. Remember, Stevens Point has said this was minor for a number of months. I've heard that on the record and I've heard that off the record. This has become major for violations that they are alluding to. As an institution, we feel that it is imperative to take swift and immediate action to response to what we have been informed by the NCAA are major allegations regarding our men's basketball program. The investigation has been going on for some time, and they've got at least four major notes here of concern if you're a Stevens Point fan. What does this mean down the road? I don't know. Does Bob Semling's been suspended. He's not been fired. Does not mean he won't come back if the NCAA investigation comes out lighter. Doesn't mean the NCAA doesn't say, nope, that's fine. Good job. We're going to leave your punishments as they are. And it also doesn't mean the NCAA doesn't come back and say, we see your punishments and we raise you this. I will be interested to see how this plays out. I'm not really sure what to make of it. I'll say one thing about it, though. This and the Thomas More case are minor to the Baruch case. And Baruch, in my opinion, has gotten off light. Even by self-imposed standards, they have gotten off light. And I will stick to this Baruch case until people understand that. The Baruch case is gross misconduct. I don't know if Stevens Point is gross misconduct because I want to see the NCAA report. I know Thomas More was not gross misconduct. But I am interested that maybe, with Stevens Point's actions here, we're seeing a sign from the NCAA on the Division Three level of an increase to crack down on some of these things. My only theory, theory, is that there are so many... Um, Cases in point, and they point to 16 times recruits were practicing with teams in these allegations, 16 times, that there were so many of them that they don't fall under a hand slap anymore, that it was purposeful 
dodging. And I will also say this. There have been many occasions I have heard rumor and speculation of another program somewhere in the country. And I don't mean just one. I mean programs everywhere that have violated some of these rules. Sometime off the record, if you get me uh, having a few drinks, I'll tell you about one that's pretty famous. I'm kidding. I would never tell you. But this isn't the first time I've heard of these things. It is the first time that the investigation has either been reported by an anonymous tip or somebody else and gone anywhere. The other ones never went anywhere because no one investigated. That's a whole other conversation. All right, let's move on. Before we end the show, we did get some uh, emails and mailbag questions, and I want to get to those because it is our new segment. And we'll start with the first question. And uh, let's see here. Oh, we can keep that up. So this is the Hoopsville Mailbag. It's brand new, especially for any of you who might be listening to the podcast of our show. Um, it gives you a chance to answer us, ask us questions. Send them in via email, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We will try and get them to you. Our first question says, awesome new segment. Well, thank you. Longtime listener, and I always enjoy the show. Do you think a team status gets influenced or damaged when they when they make a or well, I, I'm, I may have miswritten some of this. Let's let's read it straight from the from the individual. The individual is Ralph from the Eastern Shore. Eastern Shore, by the way, is in Maryland. It says, uh, awesome new segment, longtime listener. Always enjoy the show. Do you think a team status gets influenced or damaged when they make big jumps or falls in the D3Hoops.com top 25? Uh, this person goes on to say, example, men's basketball team at Salisbury. The Seagulls started their season unranked, then worked up to number five, and now at 15. They've been all over the map in a few weeks, good or bad for the Seagulls. I think it's good. Being a top 25 team means you're a top 25 team. If it's a short whiz-bam-boom moment, yeah, it may not look great. But for Salisbury, I think it's good. They're into the top 25. Were they a little bit too high at five? Yeah, probably. But in this age of parity, you got to fill in the holes somewhere. And, and Salisbury, with some big wins, including one over Christopher Newport, made a nice jump. I didn't get him as higher than number nine. I took a buzzer beater at midcourt at home against CNU and didn't blow it out of proportion. Maybe some other voters did. I don't think it's bad to be jumping up and down the top 25. I think what would be bad is Salisbury's two losses at St. Thomas or at, at the Hoopsville Classic steamrolled out of there out of control and and they kept losing if they kept losing and they disappear and they don't make the ncaa tournament or they're not a factor in the cac then it's bad but let's take a, a quick look uh they were playing tonight uh they are currently beating salzburg or beating mary washington 77 68 on the road with 20 seconds left to go in the game we would assume salisbury will win so no i don't think it's all that bad Let's take another look at another question that came in. This one says, from Stacy in Ohio, can you rank men's and women's regions currently in order by strength of that region and how they may uh, do come NCAA tournament selection time? Well, that's a little bit challenging. I'll freely admit I didn't do enough research ahead of time to rank these officially um, ahead of time. I should have looked at these questions uh, a little bit sooner and done some research. But let's go off the top of them I had. Maybe we'll just go with the top four. We'll start on the women's side. I think the, the strongest region... Uh, on the women's side, and has been for a while, is the Central Region. Um, I know we don't necessarily have a ton of top 25 teams that come uh, out of that region necessarily, um, but the, it has the most depth with the WIAC and, of course, the CCIW. Um, and St. Thomas is knocking on the door there. I think the other one is the Great Lakes. I think the Great Lakes is is stout. Uh, for you don't you know don't. By the way, back to the Central Region. Don't forget about Wash U and Chicago, uh, along with the CCIW and the WIAC. Uh, I think the Great Lakes, uh, when it comes down to it, I mean, you got Thomas Moore. Obviously, you have Hope. Uh, you got Carnegie Mellon. 
Um, you've got plenty of other teams that are in the mix there. Ohio Northern, we talked about Baldwin, Wallace, DePaul, et cetera. I think Great Lakes is number two, though you could make a, a definite argument that they're number one now. I think number three would probably be the Northeast. Tufts and Amherst certainly are on top there. The problem with the Northeast is there tends to be a steep drop-off after the top group uh, on the women's side. But when Tufts and Amherst are, are leading the way on the women's side, I think the Northeast is certainly a formidable foe. And then the fourth one, I think, kind of gets up in the air a little bit. You could you could argue maybe Atlantic with the way the NJAC has played. You could ma- argue the, the Mid-Atlantic, certainly, uh, with the likes of Scranton. Uh, the Landmark race is going to be fun to watch. The CAC race is going to be fun to watch. So I think that one's a little bit wi- more wide open. Uh, certainly, maybe you could make a case for the East, though. I don't think the East is as strong as the Mid-Atlantic. I don't think the South is as strong. Uh, and the West is certainly strong with the Northwest. Uh, and the IAC's got a couple good teams, but you, you have a steep drop-off when you get to uh, the uh, um, the Skyac. And the Mayak's good, but not great. So off the top of my head, at least the top three conferences on the women's side, I would go off the top of my head Central, Great Lakes, Northeast, with Mid-Atlantic maybe being number four. Um, but you, you could certainly make an argument on that. On the men's side of things, I, I think the top conf, uh, region would still be the Central. Uh, I think you can make arguments for a lot of different places on this one, but I would go central on that one. I think number two would be Great Lakes because I think the depth is there in the Great Lakes. We don't have as many top teams as we have had in the past, but the Great Lakes has certainly been pretty darn good. Um, I think number three, again, would also be the Northeast. Um, the likes of Babson and Amherst and Nescak has gotten deeper and has certainly been a lot more interesting. Number four gets more interesting. I think I'm going to go with the South. Um, you got a lot of good teams in the ODAC, even though the ODAC's a bit down this year and has been for the last two years. I think the ASC has proven to have some good teams in it as well. Yes, you could make an argument for the Mid-Atlantic. I think the Mid-Atlantic might be one of the deepest, and really maybe I'm underselling the Mid-Atlantic there, and maybe they should be uh, number four, and I could certainly make that argument. Um, the only problem with the Mid-Atlantic is the top never seems to do as well as I'd like it to. The top of the Landmark doesn't tend to go very far. Top of the Mac Commonwealth doesn't tend to go very far. Top of the CAC has had some representatives, and it's nice to see. Um, but I need some more depth at that top to go further in the tournament. So that's just off the top of my head. The question did go on. Uh, how do you see that may come down to tournament selection time? I think we see that a lot. We see a lot of the extra bids coming out of the Central Great Lakes Northeast. Uh, in the recent years, the Mid-Atlantic's gotten a couple extra bids. I think that's where we see it. The South's gotten a couple extra bids. That's usually where you see the strength of a region. Uh, third question that we got, uh, what do you think uh, has played the best? Who do you think played the best non-conference men's basketball schedule this year? One would think Marietta has to be near the top of the list. Who else has challenged themselves for conference before conference time? Uh, this is coming from uh, Frank in Oshkosh, uh, Wisconsin. It says, good on the Pioneers for challenging themselves outside the OAC. Hopefully those teams get rewarded in March. Uh, yeah, I think Marietta has got definitely one of the best out-of-conference schedules. I think another one to look at would be, interestingly enough, Stevens Point. Despite the fact they're not doing so well, they're 6-5, and five, it may not really be a, a conversation factor later. But Stevens Point has had a who's who of teams to play and, and of course, won't be a factor at all at this point. Whitman has certainly uh, played some good teams. We mentioned it in the co- in the chat with Coach Bridgeland. Uh, St. Olaf is, is, despite maybe not being as good as they have been, is certainly a, a solid um schedule uh, maker for them obviously playing Worcester um, and playing some others Marietta especially I think Whitman's in that conversation and and they will get rewarded as long as they, as a team doesn't take too many losses uh, they will be rewarded and 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 that's nothing to shake a stick at you schedule well and you win a good majority of those games you will be rewarded even in an at-large bit you schedule well and you don't win Stevens Point if they weren't suspended from the postseason right now 
would be a great example of where Stevens Point could sneak into a bid because they have such an amazing out-of-conference schedule. Um, but again, at 6-5, and five, they would have to win a lot more games if they were eligible to become a, a Pool C bid. At 6-5, and five, Stevens Point isn't necessarily in that conversation. And we got another question. i got to find it. Pardon me. It was in here a moment ago. Uh, here we go. Yep, here we go. So, this one's a little bit more complicated. I will do my best with this one. I can't make you any promises. This one comes from Rob. It says, if Governor Cuomo gets his way, do you see, one, the Suniac and Cuniac becoming one of the most competitive conferences in the country for all sports, not, ba- not only basketball? And two, does SUNY schools in the Skyline Conference get kicked out of for obvious competitive advantage? If no one's aware, um, Governor Cuomo has decided, along with some, uh, to, to basically... And I don't know all the details, but he's pushing through a, a plan for tuition-free um, at, at, at state schools uh, in, in New York State. I don't know all the details, so I don't want to speak too far on this. But could there be a competitive advantage? Yeah, but let's, uh, let's point out the fact that there's already technically a competitive advantage for state schools to begin with. They're already cheaper than most private schools. Now, most will point out at a private school, when you count, account the discount and scholarships and grants and all kinds of other money, that student-athletes could go to a private school for about the same amount as they go to a state school. Let's also remember the fact that state schools, the only way you could take advantage of those opportunities is if you are in state. So if you ever see a student from out of state playing on an, a state school, remember they're playing, paying pretty high exorbitant price, about as high as much as a private school would cost. Um, case in point, I remember when I was in college, this was back in the 90s, my sister was going to the University of Southern California. I was going to Goucher College. My brother was at my preps, the prep school he and I participated in or went to up in New England. Goucher was the cheapest of the three. USC was the most expensive because my sister was out of state. So, yes, I think Governor Cuomo's situation is interesting. I think it certainly will be an interesting thing to follow for the SUNYAC and CUNYAC schools. The thing is, the student-athlete still has to be interested in going to those schools and taking on what they offer. And I'm not so sure that that's always a slam dunk. Um, I know in the state of Maryland, for example, they have a a board basically in place that makes sure that schools don't cross-pollinate in terms of of education. If Goucher College wants to add a particular major, they're going to make sure that that major isn't identical at any other school outside of the grandfather clauses. that, that that waters down the education, as it were. They want schools to be unique. So in some cases, you will ar- you could argue here that the state schools um, may or may not offer what those private schools are also offering and whether those students would be interested in going to a state school. On paper, sure, it could be very interesting, could be, could be a competitive um, swing of things, but I don't think grossly any more than they are now. And I definitely don't think the CUNYAC. The CUNYAC does not tend to spend a lot of money on athletics. You talk to a lot of CUNYAC coaches, and they're frustrated by how much they can't travel. And thus, they're kind of restricted in their in their area. And thus, they don't get a lot of good opponents for out-of-conference games. CUNYAC certainly travels more, and I think they might be a little bit more interested in doing things. As far as the part of the question that says, SUNY schools in the skyline getting kicked out for competitive advantage, They'd already be kicked out. Um, Maybe there's an outside chance. But here's the thing. And here's where the crux of this comes down to, in my opinion. State schools are still in the conversation, whether they're in the conference or not. So Goucher and, and Catholic, which I'm most familiar with, were in the Capital Athletic Conference. They were in state schools with 
like Frostburg and Salisbury and St. Mary's, which is, by the way, an honors college, um, which is more expensive than Salisbury, uh, and some others that were state schools. They left because they felt this competitive advantage. They want to be with like-minded institutions. Are you telling me that Goucher and Catholic are still not recruiting the same players as Salisbury, St. Mary's, and Frostburg? They didn't leave the geographic area, did they? So, yeah, the E8 could kick those SUNY schools out. But why? Where would it get them? And by the way, here's the other crux of it. And give me a quick second here because there's another little quirk with the E8. The Empire 8 is in trouble in, in cases of losing its automatic bid when it comes to football. They've got a couple SUNY schools in their football program, right? you got Cortland, uh, Buffalo State. Um, you've got others in there. Brockport. You kick them out. You bury them. Or is it the Liberty? Maybe I got this backwards. <laughs> Pat's probably screaming at me right now. Uh, I want to make sure I have that right. Hold on. Well, what, but either way. Okay, maybe I've got... The, it's a Liberty. And, and I apologize because I got Saints... I got... Um, I've got a, it's Liberty. Liberty's the one who's going to be in trouble with the uh, with the AQ here soon. But the EA kicks out the SUNY schools. Now they're in AQ trouble. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, you could make an argument for competitive disadvantage, but I would also make an argument that competitive disadvantage um, is already exists. But you don't want to put the AQs at risk. EA's got to go out there and find somebody else to replace those schools that they kick out, right? No, I don't think that's going to happen in the EA. I think there's way too much going on. Now, SUNY schools could leave on their own for varying reasons, but I, I just I just don't see it happening. Um, I'm trying to make sure if there's others out there, uh, what's going on. Um, Justin Sweeney writes, I'll figure out what he's writing to me later. Um, I'm trying to make sure there's nothing else going on. Number 15, Salisbury finishes off Mary Washington, winning 78-70, as we pointed out earlier. Uh, that's a good win for them. Congratulations. Um Daryl Duncan on our YouTube page says, Happy New Year. Dave, I hope you had a good, happy holiday season. Get any rest? I did not. I am still tired, especially from Vegas, but Salem combined as well. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else out there that we may have missed. If you've got any questions for us, again, about the mailbag, we really appreciate you taking the time. Per the mailbag, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, and we will answer your questions here on the air. We'll get a better graphic, um, but we'll answer your questions. Of course, many people watch this show on the podcast, so download the podcast, enjoy the podcast, and we hope you'll take the time to email us as well. We are well past overtime, and we have got to go. Uh, we will continue to cover the Stevens Point story. Again, we said at the beginning of the show, if we get an opportunity, whether we hear from somebody at Stevens Point who would like to discuss things going on or whatnot, we will bring that, even if it is separate of any show, we will get that interview for you and get it up on the air. I do want to thank those who took the time to join us uh, this evening on the show. Um, first and foremost, uh, and we said Daily Ryman. I got that wrong on the Thing. We'll have to edit that. And sports director at News Channel 7 WSAW. Also, Sherry Herrer, the women's basketball coach at Baldwin Wall. Scott Hemmer, the women's basketball coach at SUNY Geneseo. Chad Dickman, men's coach at Hood. Eric Bridgeland, the number two Whitman head coach for the men's basketball. And, of course, Alex Richard, former Stevens Point men's basketball player. Appreciate him taking the time. Though I'm not sure how much we may have learned or didn't learn from uh, Mr. Richard, but I appreciate him taking the time to come on and at least discuss it again if you got questions for us tweet us at d3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com follow us on facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville follow us on instagram at d3hoopsville there 
as well. We'll be back on the air Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Remember, now that we're back into the January or rest of the season mode, we will be talking Northeast, Atlantic, South, uh, and Central regions primarily on Sunday night while we talk. And we'll also welcome back the first WBCA segment of the new year. Looking forward to the WBCA Center Court making its first appearance. Of course, next Thursday, we'll primarily talk East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West with a little bit of South sometimes sprinkled in. And we'll welcome back the NABC Coaches Corner as well. That's going to do it for us. Again, we will stay on top of the Stevens Point information. And when we learn more, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoops and at D3HoopsVille. And for more information along those lines, we await the NCA investigation as well. We simply do not know when that is going to come out. We'll try and do some digging ourselves to see if we learn more. That will do it. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. It's been a long show, and we must go. Hope you enjoyed it. If you watched it on demand, if you watched it live on Facebook or on YouTube, thank you for tuning in. If you had a chance to listen to it on demand, let us know. Send us an email on the mailbag. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. I hope you download the podcast. If you don't know about it, download it from SoundCloud or iTunes and let us know about it as well. Uh, I want to say a special thank you to Sam Atkinson with the idea of putting the mailbag on our show. We appreciate his time. We'll begin to catch up with his program in the near future. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you have a good evening. Certainly fascinating story with Stevens Point. We'll stay on top of that, but thank you to our other guests as well. Good night. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more Hoops on Sunday evening. Good night, everybody.